Hi, welcome to The Thirst. I'm April. And I'm Steph. This is our podcast about TV, movies, books, pop culture. Pop culture. Pop culture. That's, All the pop culture that's stuff. That's probably the most integral thing. Um, this is our 10th episode. It is. Um, that's quite a momentous Yeah, it's an anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. What do we get for 10 episodes? I don't know what 10 years. Paper. paper. I don't know. It's not paper. Paper's no, that's one. one. I don't know. Um, I've, there's a poster of 10 things I hate about you. Do you want that? Yeah. You can have my poster. I'll give it back because I know you probably don't actually want to give it to really me. I really want to no, give it away. Fine, um, fine. You can find us online on Twitter. We're at the thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod. iTunes, you can search for us, the thirst. Instagram, we're at the thirst pod. If you want to email us, you can do so. It's the thirst pod at gmail.com. And if you want to visit our Tumblr, it's the thirst pod.tumblr.com. But I haven't updated it in five episodes. <laughs> should we just should we just say that the Tumblr's, do we declare it dead yet? No, because I want to use it for the um, upcoming new feature. April, for God's sake, I'm just really sorry. Um, God, thanks. keep on top of it. Um, soz. Um, thanks to everyone who's listened to our first nine episodes. Um, and I hope that you didn't mind that we did a weird mini episode last time. Oh, yeah, without a big discussion. We just felt like there had been so much breaking news regarding the um, Harvey Weinstein stuff that it felt a bit weird to put the episode out and not acknowledge that all this stuff had Why? Happened. Because I criticised loads of celebrities for not speaking um, out and then like five seconds later they did. It was quite funny when I re-listened to the episode and we're going like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Like all these people. Where's haven't... this person? And then, Where's like, this person? The day oh. after there was that extra New York Times article where all of these people were going like, yes, he is a shit person. I think they heard um, us. So they, they were like, I listened to the thirst. They were like, I listened to the thirst. Got I have your, to come forward. Got your message loud and clear. Loud and clear. So um, thanks for downloading those. Um, if you would like to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be great. Please be do so. Um, yeah, please. Thanks. Please. Feedback. Please. please. Feedback is welcome. Mm-hmm. We have a new microphone. We do have a new microphone. It's very a microphone. Um, it makes me feel like we're in a fifties radio show because mm. it looks a bit. Um, it is like we're on a radio. Yeah, it yeah. feels like we're we're on the actual radio. Or we're like in a rockabilly band mm. and we have one of those quirky microphones. Yeah, and I can make like awkward eye contact with you, like really <laughs> intensely. It's fine. And you're wearing the same glasses. as We me, do have. So I have to sit opposite you now. Like we I'm used looking to, in the mirror when we used to record. Staff used to recline on um, the bed in my spare bedroom. Um, I did because the microphones were slightly different. But so now, so comfortable. Now we have to sit intensely opposite each other. Um, so that's. I think it will make for a really quality chat. <laughs> the content will be boosted one hundred percent. Do you want to do news now? Yes. News. I feel like it's really hard to come up with any news at the moment. <laughs> That isn't about someone being sexually assaulted or molested or someone just being a trash bag generally. I did do like a quick um, news dive this morning ahead of recording. Were you like, um, what the fuck? What else is find, happening apart from horrible things? I was things. trying to find like things to talk about that we hadn't already got listed and then everything I was coming up against was just like, oh God, another man being an asshole. Yeah, so we've decided, April suggested that we should have a shit list yeah 100% so I think that's almost going to be another section it'll be another to our podcast I think uh, I might shit list it'll be, we'll profile it on social I'm going to make a collage I think that's an excellent any idea any excuse to create a collage of, of of people we think are shitty yeah yeah or we could buy a real life notice board and just stick them on it like <laughs> we're in a crime scene investigation like we're and in these a... are the people we're investigating yeah I mean get bits of string it would be great Maybe oh we'll that, that fulfills so many yeah a winter project a winter project is making our own CSI board with sketchy motherfuckers on it like a Carrie Matheson in Homeland yeah. season we're gonna one have to be board. printing these pictures off at work that's fine um 
creepy as far as no Why are you printing probably, that no reason it's probably no weirder than anything else don't worry about it so um, um, yeah yeah on uh, first on our shit list this week you can go uh, top of the shit list is top of the shit week uh, top of the shit week it is a shit week <laughs> um, is Geordie White from Marilyn Manson um, so uh, fairly recently in the light in light of uh, Harvey Weinstein and all the other conversations that have been happening um, in Hollywood and on social media uh, Jessica Adams, uh, who is uh, was the lead singer of a band, a 90s band called Jack Off Jill, <clears throat> who I was a big fan of uh, as a teenager and kind of growing up. Um, she came out and finally made um, a public statement that she was uh, repeatedly assaulted and abused and raped by her former boyfriend, Geordie White who um, is uh, better known as Twiggy Ramirez, uh, the bassist of Marilyn Manson. Um, Jack of Jill and Marilyn Manson uh, were really close uh, in the 90s. Um, and I guess for some fans, you kind of can't separate them one from the other in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it's always been it an un, not an unspoken thing but jessica's hinted repeated repeatedly over the years that she was attacked by someone um and i think because of various issues she has had she's found it hard she has been very vague about it so it's been very hard to work out some i think lots of people assumed it was probably geordie yeah i remember but, that we had a conversation not that long ago i think when maybe she'd spoken out previously about it um so it obviously has been something that she has spoken about but in such sort of it's this this, really this happened to, to me, but I don't want to divulge anything else. But this is a thing that has occurred. Yeah, um, and I think a few other names were in thrown into the hat, mm-hmm. and people weren't entirely sure who it was. I think most people had correctly guessed it was probably Geordie White, but occasionally there were hints that it may have been other people. And she did actually, in this statement, acknowledge that her, you know, for obvious reasons, her mental health hasn't been great, and no, she wasn't in. Not the greatest state when writing some of the the sort of really muddled comments i feel like it must be quite difficult as well as if you're someone that's in the sort of public eye or or has been in a relationship which has sort of been in the public eye so like you say the fact that marilyn manson and jack off jill were kind of this like you know mid 90s kind of Mm. you know things that were running concurrently then people are going to speculate aren't they so lots of people credit um incorrectly or not um lots of people credit marilyn manson for uh sort of ensuring the success of jack off jill mm-hmm. so lots of people you know very incorrectly just think that this is you well, know someone who hasn't got a music career anymore trying well, to it's that fear of backlash isn't it yeah. people are automatically or well, you'd probably assume um that people are automatically just going to be saying that like oh this is because you know they're still incredibly successful yeah. they've got careers and you're not necessarily as successful anymore which is like a completely preposterous thing to say but I would be incredibly fearful of that when basically your career's on the line isn't yeah, it so. it's insane um, so Jessica's statement was uh, very factual this time um, she said uh, she met Geordie White when she was 18 um, throughout their relationship he grew increasingly jealous he slashed her tyres he threw a cage of live mice into her car sure, he punched so. her in the chest he tore off the car wing mirror and threw it out the window when they were driving somewhere um, and eventually he uh, raped her um, and she said uh, that she has lived with the overwhelming shame and guilt of being raped for over 20 years 
Um, and one of the main reasons she didn't come forward uh, was that in 1997, she was warned by her band's record company that if she revealed her story publicly, there would be a very good chance that her band would be blackballed by concert promoters, radio programmers and other bands and their managers. Jack of Jill was also warned of running the risk of losing their coveted record deal. So... Yeah, she was told essentially no one's going to believe you and it's going to ruin your career and your bandmate's career. It's um, I hadn't written this on the list of new stuff actually but there was another thing that came out this week which was Alice Glass, oh. formerly of Crystal Castles. Um, pretty much uh, sort of she'd um, left Crystal... I can't remember when she left Crystal Castles. It was a few years ago now, was a few years ago um, and sort of there were vague reasons given why she left but she's publicly this week said that it was because um, she had sort of reached a point where she couldn't couldn't tolerate any more of the abuse that she was receiving at the hand of her bandmate um Ethan who was someone that she had um known since she was 15 mm. years old and the abuse had been taking place since she was 15 years old and one of the things I think she mentioned in that was the fact that you know he very much threatened to take the band away from her that's insane um so it's just all about power it and, is and completely about power. it's really horrible for <clears throat> you know for Jessica to have been told that basically her band's career could just essentially be you know tanked yeah and she was a young girl she was like 18 19 um the i mean the positive is that now she has made a statement and she has named geordie white as her rapist um it it uh sort of it was covered quite quickly it reached all the major news outlets um and pretty much straight away instead of responding in any way geordie white just made all of his social media profiles private um has basically just gone into hiding and hasn't responded at all because he's a jackass um this i mean geordie white for me as a like a a big fan of marilyn manson growing up twiggy ramirez was always my um favorite member of marilyn manson and i was fairly obsessed with him as a teenager Mm -hmm. um so it's you know it's a hard thing to hear um but it's a fact so you know she says it's a fact it's a fact i don't buy any of this innocent until proven guilty shit when it comes to this no really and if she's if she feels that she wants to speak out and and a great personal risk to herself it's a huge personal risk and i think that actually you know one of the things that has i mean it's not necessarily caused by the um harvey weinstein kind of allegations coming to light but actually if this if this kind of culture of women speaking out Mm -hmm. and people actually finally maybe listening enables people like jessica and anyone else to kind of feel as though they actually want to say what happened to them regardless of how long ago it was or anything Mm. like that then i think that's you know more power to everyone i don't i had some really i mean i tweeted a little bit about it and i had some really funny replies i had someone who um said to me that i need to just accept that people can change and if he's shown remorse then you know people you know he can be forgiven and i'm completely for people being you know people can show remorse and people can change like i don't think anyone's beyond redemption he hasn't shown any remorse he hasn't said anything no it's weird i don't know why you would automatically it's weird that people would automatically sign side so he's a nicer guy now how do you know you've never met him in your life you don't know that i mean Um, i did i did think that one um thing that was quite sensible was that marilyn manson himself yeah finally came out and said that like twiggy will no longer be in the The band band. which i was i did find his statement slightly strange it was weird i mean i was slightly concerned that they just wouldn't boot him out no um and they'd take that innocent until proven guilty stance which would be just extremely hard for all of their fans um so they've made the right decision um 
Marilyn Manson and uh, Twiggy have had a very long friendship together and I get the sense that he's finding it hard, I imagine, to mm. uh, grapple with the idea um, that his friend is a piece of shit. Although I also think it's probably not a surprise if you've been around someone no, that No, and I do, I think again... You're going to tell me you didn't know he was a piece of shit? Yeah, again, that kind of just reminds me of some of the, the statements that have come out um, regarding Harvey Weinstein, like Quentin Tarantino's kind of like... Oh my God, the worst. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like just this sort of weird denial that this you didn't realise. If I'd known, it's like, no, you, I think, you, yeah. There have been enough people that have said that like, oh, we knew that this was going on and we just turned a blind eye. So mm. I'm pretty sure that if you're that close to... If you're that close to someone as well you're gonna pretty much know what they're kind of really like yeah it's not like someone has a tenuous link or you you've worked with him on one no. project like and they were all friends right and they spent a lot of time together yeah. and i think they all openly admit that they did some pretty fucked up shit when they were younger as well so i don't think it's really a surprise um i guess at the very least at least he's been swiftly booted out of the band i think it's probably um from a um I don't know career point of view I think the label the as well thing? would have been like Yo, yeah I you think, can't have him I think it would have been the safest thing given the kind of like ongoing controversy that Marilyn Manson has had throughout his career across all levels it's probably the most sensible thing when your new album has just come out and you're trying to tour you have it. a tour yeah and, and and in this like new new culture of people kind of speaking out and saying stuff it's probably the most sensible thing to just be like I don't need to that connected to me when I haven't done the things so yeah. that you have to go so whether or not he's kind of saying that actually making a public statement specifically talking about Twiggy's behaviour or not at least he's kind of just made the gesture of like distancing himself yeah it's not entirely what I wanted no it's not the statement I would have liked I'm almost not surprised at this point so I I enjoy Marilyn Manson a lot but I think I I don't think you can hold him in like I don't think you can hold Brian Warner or any of those guys in massively high regard at least when we go and see Marilyn Manson well yeah now it's like oh I can actually go and see you play in December still then without thinking oh look yeah, that would. I would have vehemently disliked that having to like look at his little grubby face. Um, that grubby, would not grubby face. Um, so you're top of our shit list this week, mate. So um, also on our shit list is um, writer and director James Toback, um, who's um, oh yeah accused of um, sexual harassment by 38, 38 women. women. Um, there was a um, piece in the LA Times, um, and it lists a whole bunch of people, including Selma Blair and Rachel McAdams, who list um, sort of experiences they had with the. Um, writer and director i mean i don't want to go into it too much because it's very much similar to the harvey weinstein it really is yeah you know in the wake of that um like i said if 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 it's going to be unearthed that more and more people he seems to have some sort of amnesia though but he doesn't he doesn't recall having ever met any of them let alone he's a strange character anyway like i watched this um film i didn't necessarily know too much about no i don't know much but i watched the film this film a couple of years ago called um seduced and abandoned Mm. which is about um just it was Alec Baldwin and James Toback and they're making there was like a documentary about the film industry and finding funding for films and everything like that and it was a really interesting it was a really interesting film um but I'd never encountered him before so I don't know if he's anyone I don't I didn't recognize any of his films but he's a piece of shit so he's he on is a piece list. of shit so your name your name and your picture's going on the board and we're gonna throw darts at it yeah it's interesting to have that running concurrently to the um to the Harvey Weinstein stuff I guess so uh you know stay 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 tuned for some more additions to the shit list <laughs> as, uh, the, as the podcast it's gonna be a long long list um in complete contrast to yes. this perhaps it was not happy because it's not a happy occasion no it's um but I know what you're gonna say and it's horrible okay <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård 
has done something horrific has done something horrific with his hair he has there was some photos taken from a red carpet event within the last 48 hours where he appears to have I can't even. It's it's like, almost like a monk haircut. He's, yeah, it, it, I'm assuming he's had his haircut to it's make a Larry it David haircut. Look, yeah, to make it look like he's balding. It's apparently it's for a. It is for a film. Yeah, it's for a okay, film. That's fine, um, I think it's called the Hummingbird Project or something. I think he maybe is playing investment banker in it. But basically, it's just terrifying. Could he have not worn a smart hat with that suit? Well, what was interesting is that there were some photos from earlier in the day when he, I think he was leaving a hotel. Was he wearing a hat? He was wearing a beanie, <laughs> so he looks perfectly so he normal. Looks extremely gorgeous extremely handsome and then but he's on the red carpet and has he's it made just... you realize that haircuts are actually quite important well and... i yeah i mean the thing that i found slightly baffling is that why wouldn't you just shave your entire head mm-hmm. and then wear like hair pieces around the bottom do you think he likes it he just looked like he was having the best time of his life he so did. he looked really happy we will um i don't think i've tweeted about it yet <laughs> so but i'll share the pictures but it, i spent a long time looking at it just being like you're so handsome why have you done this a haircut apparently makes a man because yeah right did you I found it a bit like a personal yeah it just felt like a a personal kick to the stomach take a dump on my heart mate Jesus Alex God Alex literally one or two episodes ago we were talking about how much we love you yeah and then you do this no offence to balding men by the way but what? Just... It's not even like it's natural. It's he looks literally... like he was fucking brother Cadfile. Like <laughs> he looks like you know when in frat movies where someone falls asleep and they just like cut some, yeah like, shave out the, someone's shave hair. the middle of it. Yeah, it's so weird. It doesn't look good. No, not even on like a really attractive Swedish man. No, and also what it made me I was slightly aware of is that maybe that's what he's gonna like when he gets. That's old. gonna be him in the future. No, his dad's like you know perfectly perfectly fine and hasn't lost his hair so basically we know harrison ford exists so there is some hope for people yeah i don't know why you've done this alex scars he's just gonna have to wear a toupee his entire life wear a beanie for the next however many months should have worn a smart hat (laughs) on the red carpet what sort of hat would you wear on the red uh just like a trilby um, yes like a trilby fedora like a a hat that a detective would wear. wear a beanie on the red carpet a detective hat. A detective hat. Like a, a sort of a trilby detective hat that you'd wear if you were going into um, a, a bar to question some... <laughs> question a barman with some, your little notepad. Sombrero? Yeah. Sombrero would baseball be great. Baseball cap? He could have worn um, a baseball big cap. Big into cowboy hats, I've realised. Oh, I think they're quite good. good so yeah. He could have just rocked some sort of cowboy look. Trucker hat. Trucker hat. If it was in mid-2000s, um, he could have got away with like Gold a truck. visor. because <laughs> 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 that would... Yeah, okay, that see his bald head. Oh, no. We're just going to Photoshop various hats on Alex Skarsgård <laughs> until we work out which one he should I actually wear. think that will be a thing that I will do. I think that's a quality use of your time. I haven't watched Stranger Things yet. No, I haven't watched Stranger Things but either. I think Guys, it came out yesterday in real time for us. We're recording so. on Saturday the 28th of October and it came out on Friday the 27th of October. Which is the day before. Which is the day before. So, we haven't watched it yet, guys. We haven't okay. watched it yet, so um, please, no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. We'll have to have a Stranger Things chat at some point, but it won't be But a thing that today. seemed relevant is that um, what, there was the, so there was the premiere of Stranger Things 2. I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about the fact they're calling it Stranger Things 2. That's just silly. But anyway. Um, just, just Stranger Things. And season then two. Season 2. It doesn't need to be I two, guess it's the it? throwbacky sequel, 80s, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, um, one of the, the so there was a premiere of Stranger Things too, and a, and a noticeable absent was Charlie Heaton, mm. and it's apparently because um, he was detained at LAX. They found traces of cocaine. He's got a load in his of nose bag. bag. <laughs> it's a nose bag. Um, they found cocaine in his 
possession. I don't know if it was a trace amount or if it was an actual amount. Like his nose, just hanging his out nose. his nose. Basically, he was sent back to the UK. Scorn um, like schoolboy, sco- which Go made away. me forget that a he's English. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I one didn't of us. One of us. One of us. So he was sent back to the UK and missed the of course premiere. He loves coke. Um, I also forgot that he's dating. Um, oh, I don't know who he's dating. He's dating, dating the older sister of um, Finn Wolfhard's character, Mike. Mike's sister in oh. real life. IRL. Oh, they are actually IRL. IRL. They are dating. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she so... coked off her face as well. No, they? they just seem really cute on Instagram. Yeah. Wow. So it's a now sh- we know. Now we that know. he probably doesn't remember any of it. April. Drugs. Um. So that's a shame. Isn't Maybe he's it? just really tired and he needed it to give him a, a lot of a Stranger Things. It's like it was filmed at night, so maybe he needs. He just some... was really tired, so he just needed a pick me up. Bit sleepy. Um. How are you feeling in advance of watching Stranger Things? Um. <sighs> I really loved Stranger Things and I'm still not convinced it needed a sequel. No. Um, I think it will probably be good fun, but... um, uh... Do you know I saw an alarming amount of people online this morning who had finished all of it? Yeah, I know, right? What are you you doing? What is wrong with you all? What are you doing? Why have you not got a life... No, I'm I'm not... As someone who has a pop culture podcast, I'm not going to say that you don't have a life for binge watching, but... Um, but, but how it stresses me out a lot when it's available all at once now because I have less time for binging um, and it means that everyone completes it all really quickly ahead of me and then I just spend my entire life worried about spoilers well, I, I have feel a, like I have to rush it I have a really big issue with people posting spoilers within like the first 24 hours Come of something on being now. online I feel like you need to give it like a while on instagram yesterday i saw a lot of instagram physical posts of like people watching pictures the watching the credits which i'm fine with yeah however what i don't appreciate is the surprise attack of an instagram story yeah where someone has posted like an actual thing from the show, the show. like i've already seen about 13 different posts of people with no, pe- new characters i don't even know exist yeah i'm like who the fuck is this yeah you're going on the shit list if you're not careful 24 hours man that's chill like rookies they're all rookies to ruin it, for it was like everyone. with Game of Thrones it was like mm. why are you posting just what's wrong with you the thing with Game of Thrones as well on that in that respect is that I don't even watch it but it annoyed me yeah I, on my time God, hop so mad. on my time hop this week there was um, I think I must have tweeted last year about how I don't watch The Walking Dead oh. but I remember this time last year where there was the big thing that happened in The Walking Dead I think you knew about it before I, I knew watched about it. it and I was like I don't even watch this fucking programme and I'm annoyed that I've gone on Twitter and people have been like oh so and so is so and so yeah like that ugh, it's so annoying stop it I know and I feel like it's so simple not to do, so just don't be an Everyone idiot. likes it. It's not like this niche you're not, thing. Yeah, you're not proving anything. You're not proving anything. It's not this niche little I'm the biggest th- fan because I've watched it all Oh first. my God. It's not this niche little thing that no one else is going to watch. Yeah. That you feel like, oh, well, I can talk about it because there's one other person in existence that's going to watch it. No, it's literally the cultural event of this autumn. Yeah. It's Stranger Things. We've only been hearing about it for like a year. Right. Um, just stop it. Yeah. I love everything that... April's got such an angry face. Oh, it just now. drives me mad. Like, there's That's no the one need. benefit of sitting it opposite you. Is I and can don't, see also, don't tell mind. me to like not follow you if you're going to do it. No, Why just don't you don't mute the hashtag. Not. Because you should just be courteous. Oh, I've muted the hashtag Asshole. and I'm still seeing it. Don't yeah. tell me to do that. Also, you can't mute Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, Instagram is just so behind. I can go on the shit list as well. No mute on Instagram. <laughs> Come on, Jesus! Now. God. Anyway, I'm looking forward to Stranger Things. It's going to be great. Yeah, isn't it? it was going to be what really a lovely great. nostalgic trip to a time when I was not actually <laughs> even born. When I wasn't because I was born, born at the tail end of the 80s. Oh, I'm so. looking forward to the soundtrack. 
Yes, that better be good. I really liked the last soundtrack. Great last it had time. a lot of New Order Echo and the Bunnymen. It was peak. Peak us. See, I am all for that nostalgic, like, 80s 100%. stuff. 100%. There's a reason that the 80s is great. Um, I do wonder whether it will be slightly overkill, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the only thing is because everything since Stranger Things has had a Stranger Things vibe. Like, that was one of the things we mentioned about it. Yeah. Was everything that, like... has a Stranger Things vibe. But even Stranger Things vibe is like a nostalgic throwback to oh, yeah. like, Stand By Me and yeah. Goonies and everything. So. It's not it's, it's not an OG. It's cyclical. So we're looking forward to Stranger Things too. We're sorry, Charlie Heaton, that you did drugs and didn't get to go to the premiere. I mean, whose fault is that, mate? It's probably, probably the person fault, you, to be honest. And provided you with it for um, free. Rude. Don't give children... How old is he? He's probably like twenty five, so he's oh. not like an actual child. He's, okay. he's not like he's not one one of the children. He's not. Yeah, I know he's not one of the children, but in my head, he's still probably like twenty one. But well, he probably is twenty one, twenty two. But either way, no, no. Um. So that's news. Um. On to what we're currently enjoying and what we're looking forward to. Um. I will let you begin here because it's um seasonal. Yes. Well. Yes. Um. So. We thought for this episode, um, by chance, a lot of what we wanted to talk about uh, in terms of things we've enjoyed this episode are Halloween and or uh, horror and or spooky. true crime related. Spoo- spooky. Spooky. Spooky related. Um, so we thought we'd kind of make that. It's it's sort of an accidental running theme, but also we thought we'd make it a real running theme. Mm. Um, so uh, music-wise, I thought I'd begin uh, with uh, Friday the 13th, the date, and the release of um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's version of John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a bit of a surprise drop. Yeah, um, I, I didn't had, remember. Was I it... had quite a few people message me when I posted about it online, going, "Oh my god, I didn't know this existed." And I, I was like, I "That's because it's... it arrived like thirty minutes yeah, ago." Yeah, I saw you post about it, and then someone else posted about it, and I was like, "Wait, is this a thing?" Yeah, yeah. So it Something wasn't a thing until um, the other Friday. So Trent and Atticus released their own version of John Carpenter's Halloween theme, uh, that very famous theme. Um, it was also the same day that the John Carpenter anthology was released, which is a re-recording of all his classic movie themes. Oh, sure. We have got a copy in our house. Uh, Wesley Brown has bought it. I haven't listened to it yet. Sure. But, um, looks pretty good. Um, there was quite a nice uh, article. I think it might have been a Rolling Stone article, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Um which uh, had some quotes from Trent Reznor um, about his love of Halloween. And he talked about when uh, he was 13 and he saw Halloween for the first time with his friends. He said, uh, we left the theatre forever changed. We were damaged and scarred with the shit genuinely scared out of us. (laughs) And that theme stuck firmly in our heads. John Carpenter, it's your fault that I turned out the way I did. (laughs) Which I really like. That's really Um, nice. So uh, we'll, we'll post it on we'll post it on twitter um if people haven't listened to it yet it's uh i think it's like eight minutes long something like that it's really really good i mean it's 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 you know it's the the halloween theme that we uh, all we all know and are familiar with and love um but there's about a minute build up uh beforehand of kind of white noise mm-hmm. and various creepy sort of background noises and then the music just suddenly cuts and the theme steps in Amazing. and it's just great and it's just kind of um yeah it's not like they've reworked the entire thing in a big way mm-hmm. um it sticks very close to the original but it has all these kind of really creepy lingering background noises um well i i always feel like that's something that's sort of like um evident in the trent Reznor and atticus mm-hmm. ross scores they do a lot of it sort of like atmospheric yeah it's kind of that cacophony background. of like back 
background yeah, yeah, layers yeah. of kind of various sounds. Yeah, completely. So it's nice they've kind of like transferred that over into, um, you know, the kind of classic mm, um, yeah. Halloween. Yeah, so. it was it was great. I listened to it with headphones on, and that was really freaking actually and walked to work and was like this is probably a terrible idea um john carpenter himself was very impressed with it which is good um quite a lot of people have been saying because uh, there's a new halloween film coming out next year oh yeah 2018 sure. um crafted by gordon green and danny mcbride um and carpenter is executive producing i think i remember reading about that in the wake of alien covenant because obviously yes. danny mcbride was in that and um in some of the interviews that i'd uh read um with where he was featured he mentioned halloween and i was like really yeah so that's coming back <laughs> next year it's got john carpenter is involved jamie lee curtis is back starring yeah i in saw it. that as well um, which i think will be a good so show. it won't be like hopefully it'll be better than you know a rob zombie take um yeah. but um loads of people were saying you know they should use uh trenton atticus's halloween theme um which would be i mean that would be great unfortunately i mean john carpenter's doing the music which is also Fun. great um <laughs> i've got the feeling that he probably won't replace his own <laughs> halloween imagine? theme Guys, with someone to... else's tribute but I like what you've done fine but he was he was very nice about it he was like yes very good well played well done mate well done you yes um you're not having my film but <laughs> yeah it's really great i recommend listening to it it's suitably uh yeah if you're feeling like sort of if you're feeling in a halloweeny mood um definitely kind of listen thing. to it when walking through i don't know some fog a graveyard. um a graveyard uh if you're by yourself i found that listening to it in the car is quite creepy because i feel like i'm about to drive like oh, i don't yeah. know it's yeah it's creepy uh recommended um, I have a couple of things mm. as well, which are completely not in any way related to Halloween on any level, but what just a couple traitor. of soz. Um, just a couple of we'll things. We'll find an angle, it's fine. We'll find an angle. Um, a couple of things I've been listening to this week. Um, St. Vincent, uh, Mass, Ed- yes. Mass Seduction, sorry. It's the fifth studio album from Annie Clark, aka St. Vincent. Uh, mm. It follows the success of her self-titled in 2014. Um, Jack Antonoff. It's been a while. Yeah, it's longer than I thought it was, actually. So, fine. Um, Jack Antonoff from Bleachers. Um, Your fame. My fave um assisted with the production of it um it's a really 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 great album um it's quite a contrast i suppose to mm. the self-titled one before it. it's kind of um a bit more electro it's quite electro isn't it kind of funky like i don't know it's really really good she's had this really weird album cycle around it as well um there was some sort of vague controversy she played some shows um in the uk recently and there were a lot of people on the internet whinging about the fact that like it was just her no band and she was playing oh, really? a backing track like she was Ooh. playing guitar okay but all the other sounds was backing, backing track. um oh. but she apparently had this very very interesting um stage setup where sort of there was curtains moving across and then you realized that it was all backing track mm. i mean um annie clark is like a real visual artist well, i feel like that was all deliberate right it's not it was just completely, she was to be lazy no it was shit. completely constructed in the build-up as well she'd had like loads of like video clips of sort of interviews and things that had been rolled out that were purposefully mm. filmed and kind of hyper stylized and stuff so she's obviously got a real idea of what she wants this album to say publicly Mm. and everything like that it's a real contrast to um the self-titled st vincent record that came Mm. out in 2014 um i yeah i mean i really like st vincent um i really like annie clark i think she's a very very interesting Mm. artist and performer she gets compared a lot to i mean she's done a lot of work with david byrne from um talking heads anyway Mm. they had a record together um a few years ago which is very very good but she gets compared to him and bowie in 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 the respect that that she's just got a very strong 
kind of sense of her own self yeah, yeah absolutely and she you know when she kind of commits to like a particular theme for an album like she very much mm. runs with it so um that record is very very good definitely recommend that and i've also been listening to the courtney barnett and kurt vile um, i haven't heard lots this. of sea lies it's really good like i really like courtney barnett and kurt vile individually um i saw courtney Cur- i saw courtney barnett at latitude last year and she oh, was amazing okay. ironically i didn't see kurt vile because i think i was watching grimes at the time fair but I it was one of those annoying like either or there's always a clash isn't there it was a clash it was annoying but um so courtney barnett and kurt Vaar are people whose music is kind of similar kind of like laid back chilled mm. kind of guitar kind of bluesy stuff um but they've recorded this album together oh, so it's a whole album yeah yeah so it's a whole album of them it's some new songs and some old songs of their own which they've reworked there's a couple of Courtney Barnett's old songs that they've done together and there's a couple of Kurt Vile's and I think there's a cover on there as well um, it was recorded in, in sessions between touring in Melbourne and I think elsewhere as um, as well um, it's just really nice it's just like a laid back kind of nice I mean I they're like I said they're both people whose work I enjoy individually so to have this kind of like surprise album of them together mm. and then when you hear them together it's like a perfect match it does work really yeah, well yeah it works they really kind of they feed off one another as well I mean I really like Courtney Barnett the fact that she sings with sort of an Australian accent she is mm. Australian so it's kind of nice I was about to go she is Australian yeah yeah it's so. really nice because I often find that when you have kind of international performers they if they don't necessarily sing mm. in an accent that's true to their own but yeah it's super chill super laid back definitely recommend it sweet um so movies um we have done three things we've done a three thing a trio a trio of things. trinity a trio of things. things um so on the kind of spoopy Spoop, don't use the term I fucking hate the term spoopy I've never known anything <laughs> shit in my life on, on the kind of Halloween it's cutesy but it's goth Spoops. no Spoops. on the Halloween vibe we went to the London Film Festival we um, did a couple of weeks ago and we went to see My Friend Dharma which is an adaptation of a graphic novel uh, memoir by artist uh, John Durf Back Durf um, which is based on his teenage friendship with serial killer Jeffrey Dharma mm. um, the film itself is written and directed by Ma- Mark Myers I want to say Mike Myers Mike Myers I thought you were going to say I was like that, is, no, that was Mark definitely not Mayers, Mike Myers it's probably but... Myers actually um, Myers. it stars Ross Lynch who's a who's Disney, a former Disney star former right? Disney star um, Alex Wolfe Dallas Roberts and Anne Hesch amongst others um we had mixed feelings. Yeah, I think you liked it more than I did. I did like it more than you did. Yeah, I just came out feeling a bit I think, flat. I think I it's don't know. A, I think it's a tricky one because on the one hand, I mean, it is based on this account that um, Durf wrote of um, his time in high school where he befriended Jeffrey Dahmer I think during the senior year of high school. Yeah, so they were just about to finish high school. Yeah, it's a really short time frame. They befriended him and kind of made him this like weird mascot of their. It was essentially bullying. It's really it was bullying. glorified bullying. Glorified. They kind of he, he would do stupid stuff and they would egg him on, um, and then you know it's just um, a really manipulative yeah way it's, of it's kind of weird actually someone. that's one of the criticisms than you that i actually had of the graphic novel i mean for me um the film itself matched the novel in itself and i haven't read the graphic novels the so graphic novel is definitely worth checking out um, it, it matched it kind of well and there is this weird kind of you don't want to feel sorry for him because you know what he went on to do yeah but there is this weird question of nature versus nurture and actually mm. i mean jeffrey Dahmer had an incredibly messy home life his parents were um 
um, constantly at war with one another. Mm. His dad left. His mum had a lot of her own issues. Um, his mum abandoned him and took his brother out of state after his parents got divorced. His dad left him at home in this house. And you kind of do see that all this, you know, and he had a lot of when he his dad was a chemist and when he was younger when Jeffrey Dahmer was younger he would um had like a, a shack where he did sort of experiments he would kind of tr- uh find animals that were dead and practice like dissolving them and stuff yeah and so it's it's and... this whole there's this whole underlying thing of like nature versus nurture um I don't think in the film you're meant to feel sorry for him because at the end of the day that you you do know that he just becomes this huge monster mm-hmm. I don't personally believe either that if anyone had intervened at any point he would have no, necessarily it, not no. committed the crimes but I think that the film does sort of posit this idea that actually if someone had stepped in said you know Jeffrey, are you okay? Like he he would go to school drunk and all this mm. stuff. I mean, it was yeah, it kind of touched on all those um, main points that I guess anyone who's sort of read about Dharma has heard about, and mm-hmm. this kind of nature versus nurture question. Um, I think in his case, as as you've said, um, it's kind of he had an underlying nature which was kind of offset by these elements because you know for lo- I'm sure lots of people alcoholism and having divorced parents and sort of broken home situation doesn't lead you to do the things exactly. that he did. Yeah, um, precisely. There was I think um yeah, it was it was kind of I don't know what I anticipated. I think maybe I anticipated a bit more of a build up in the way that you know when we saw Christine yes. and there was this sort of overwhelming feeling of everything coming to a head at the end mm-hmm. so she was having, you know, this the Christine um you know was having a really hard time and over a period of kind of weeks and days and you know months we saw something yeah everything it was just slowly deteriorating until she reached a point where she just couldn't do it anymore um and i i I guess maybe i anticipated maybe something like that a bit more like you'd almost feel like it was building to a point of these tiny not tiny but these things happening on top of each other and i didn't get that sense in the same way it was a bit it was a bit more flat. I think it was interesting. Um, there was less of a domino effect in yeah. that you don't see this build up and then you see it's sort of like a sporadic collection of kind of stuff happening. Yeah, I mean, I think for me that I I didn't have that um, feeling mm. in the build up. Mostly, obviously, because I I knew that the graphic novel basically ends with um, Durf going off mm. to college, Jeffrey staying behind, and then there's this been this sort of thread throughout, which is mm. about this runner that he watches, and then he um, he becomes obsessed with, and then you see that um, Dharma commits his first crime, which is he picks up a hitchhiker mm. after a concert, and then that's supposedly Where meant it, to be his yeah. first victim. Um, I kind of liked the fact that it did. I mean, I liked the fact that it didn't. Um, it wasn't a story about what he went on to do. I think it that perhaps that's, that's the thing, isn't it? When you are making a film about someone that is so notorious and has committed such sort of intense crimes, I think there is this level. I mean, because the thing I, I was expecting actually is that the, there would be a twist at the end where it would be like this violent outburst, which would, would be almost in contrast to the way mm. the film had been quite levelled and um, throughout. And I'm glad that it didn't sort of tip into the realms of being like ott um it's i guess it's a little bit more subtle i mean i think it is an interesting portrait of someone who is incredibly complicated and i think the thing that i found about durf's book as well which is a criticism in itself is that obviously it's it's incredibly one-sided this is Mm. a person who was involved in kind of 
like we say bullying tormenting him, him tormenting yeah. him throughout high school there's no dharma not that he deserves to have a voice at all but there's no there's nothing from the other side yeah yeah um you know refuting anything that Durf says i do think that actually when yeah. i was reading about the film's production um, Durf and some of the other boys that are in the film um within the friendship group um mm. their real life counterparts that were on set throughout okay um as sort of and it was filmed like the the, the, the boyhood real... film uh, the boyhood home in the film was dharma's was Dharma's real home. home yeah um so that's interesting in itself i mean i think it's it is interesting mm. it's definitely perhaps not necessarily what i thought it would be yeah i think maybe that was the case and i think it is i think it is difficult dharma's a really tricky case because um we don't really know why he turned out the way he did yeah. and i don't think we ever will really know why and i don't think so i think that's difficult to portray on film because you can't there isn't you don't you don't get a sense in the film of like you know what why was it that he no turned? there's not a huge amount that's we don't know so it. they couldn't really portray it in the film there wasn't really anything like new yeah in terms of information um that we could get out of it because the director knows about as much as we do as to what his motivations yeah. were and why it turned out the way it did so i mean we'll come on to it um in a bit but it is interesting how um if you look at kind of the um, recordings and videos and of, of mm. people that there isn't a huge amount of dharma because of the fact that he was killed in prison yeah not long after he was um sentenced mm. so there isn't unlike bundy and anyone else there's not a huge amount of, kind yeah. of um you know info or mm. extra personal input in that sort of sense so yeah i mean it was definitely definitely worth seeing um yeah i, I know what, i mean it that. was really interesting actually out of the um how many of us went to uh, six of us seven yeah. of us that went it was interesting actually to have the kind of very differing inputs and i often find that's the case with yeah i the think films everyone that... came out with a different Take opinion on it. on it really didn't they and they yeah. were quite different like the bits that people liked and disliked yeah. were all quite different so yeah. it wasn't like we all had a consensus about like this didn't work it was all a bit yeah it was interesting i think as well because of the when whenever we try and go to the london film festival i often um my personal thing is to try and pick something that i wouldn't necessarily get the opportunity to see yeah um at the cinema that soon mm. um i know last year we saw i'm not a serial killer i was gonna say it's quite a filling fitting um kind of parallel to what we saw this year and that i mean it's fictional but it's you know the story of um a, a young a teenager who's grappling with uh his desire to kill um and i enjoyed that a lot more yeah isn't hell of a yeah lot more. it's definitely um what part of one one of the part one of the fun things of going to london, london film festival is seeing those films that kind of you wouldn't necessarily come across mm. um in mainstream cinema so mm. that's definitely a, a prime example um in direct contrast real um, contrast oh here. my god so last weekend uh almost a week ago today we were we were very fortunate to go and see a fr- free mo- sunday morning screening of call me by your name yes um, a film that we'd been looking forward to seeing. We had, um, yeah. We didn't think we'd going to get the chance to see it until this weekend, actually. Um, we got a nice early present, didn't present. we? So that when the free screening opportunity came up, I just, yes, immediately leapt at it. Um, it's the um, second English, second or third English language feature mm. from uh, director Luca Guadagnino. 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 I, um, I think the G's probably silent yeah. in the middle. Guadagnino. Sorry, um, his, mate. So it's the English language feature from him. Um, his first English language feature was A Bigger Splash, which I'm told yes. is Quinton. Um, 
I also what didn't was realize... the second one? I think actually this might be the second. I, oh, okay. I did look on. He's doing Suspiria as yes, well. Yes, he is doing Suspiria, which is interesting. Um, yes, the the film that doesn't need remaking, no, but, but even so, it Suspiria. will be interesting. Um, yeah. The film uh, "Call Me by Your Name" stars um, Army Hammer, Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, yeah. Chalamet. Chalamet. Um, it's based on the 2007 novel by Andrew Ackerman. Um, it's set in 1980s Italy, um, and it chronicles the romantic relationship between. Um, 17-year-old Elio Perlman and his father's um, assistant, Oliver. It's like a so visiting doctoral visiting student. Visiting doctoral student, yeah. So his, um, Elio's father is a um, involved in classics Greek... Academia? Academia or <laughs> something. Knows? I can't remember what the ins and outs of it were. But um, Oliver is a, a student who's visiting for a short window of time in the mm-hmm. summer. I mean, it's about their kind of friendship and then romance. Um, yes. I don't know how to start talking about this film because I'm very conscious of the fact that I don't want to cry. Yeah, it was um, extremely... I had um, I knew that it was going to um, upset me, but I didn't know how much it was going to upset mm. me. I'd like... I'd, we had... We were both feeling particularly glum last week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, last weekend was like a glum one for us anyway. So it um it 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 sort of culminated in this like mass hysteric crying in the cinema. My personal um, tipping point at the beginning was um in the opening credits, which are beautiful. Yes. Themselves. Oh yeah. Um, the C- entire film's beautiful. Oh, the whole thing's great. Um, Stephen Stevens' name flashes up. And that's the point where I was like, well, this that's <gasps> like an intake of breath. Death knell for me. Yeah. I know this is going to be a real. Um, gut puncher it's just so beautiful it's it's wonderful it's it's a brilliant film I I just so many different emotions I mean I was like almost shaking with how um, just the the real highs of that film like the real sort of romantic highs were just so much that I was like shaking you just feel it. I almost you couldn't feel take it. it you're there the, it was one, insane one of the things I mean we afterwards you we went for food and we didn't say anything for about 15 minutes so I think we were all very very shook by it but one of the things we did say afterwards was was that you just feel like you're there I mean it's so immersive I completely absorbed you feel the it. warmth of Italy you feel the just the intensity of their friendship and and it was just a bit much the tension it? between them I mean there are some really brilliant performances I mean Army Hammer I mean they're both Oscar worthy aren't they Army Hammer is someone that we've talked about before and how actually um, I've always con- sort of probably underrated him but re- in recent years I've seen him in things and I think he is a very very good actor um, mm. I was really impressed by Timothy's performance he as was Elio fucking fantastic he was so he was good brilliant it was like it was, I was yeah. really I mean I think that this film itself is a real Oscar front runner yeah I, um, I it, really hope, I hope they, it'll do well I really hope they both get nominated I just you just feel like you're there. You just feel it. It just... Ugh. It's the most... I, I can't remember the last time I felt a film so intensely as that. It was I just mean, it so was real. moving. And there are highs and lows to it that, yeah, it just left me a complete emotional mess afterwards. Like, I absolutely loved every second of it, but I was a complete mess. It's just... It's really... It's physically and emotionally overwhelming. It's just so intense it's gorgeous it's, it's beautiful gorgeous. it's just so well shot I mean some of the dialogue in it there's a scene near the end that I know we oh, both just you know God. it like just the tears just I couldn't stop it because it was just so much um, there's also a scene um, no I'm not I'm not gonna give any spoilers but so there is a scene that we will just call the peach scene peach 
that peachy um that does no spoilers um we'll just call it the the peach scene you will know it when you see it um i involuntarily shouted no in the cinema and it was so embarrassing but it just came out of i just felt like the three of us it was you it was yvonne and i and i felt that like we were having such visceral reactions to this film and it did we were just sitting in an audience of robots it felt like there was a lot of people in the room that weren't necessarily like having the best and worst day of their lives what the fuck is wrong with you it was weird wasn't it i i i just i mean every single time there's like a particularly aggressive use of sufjan stevens halfway through which i was like i need to get out of this room i think i just it was way too much yeah um but no one else really i mean it's really funny it's really emotional yeah it's a a literal beautiful it's just beautiful it's warming it's so warming i think it is i think it is the best film i've seen this year i haven't stopped thinking about it this week amazing um i didn't realize that i was into short shorts until army hammer wore short shorts i'm pretty sure army hammer in short shorts and converse dancing to the um with his shirt open psychedelic furs is maybe like a dream of mine i hadn't necessarily realized um i just really want everyone to go and see this yeah one of the best things i realized actually afterwards when i came home and was talking to tom about it is that um three of my probably my three favorite films from this year Mm. are all about um men falling in love with other men which is wonderful grappling with that Um, yeah moonlight and god's own country um are the other two Mm. and it's just really nice i forgot moonlight was this year yeah well it's because um it's because it came out in the states 2016 so for us it was february so Mm. i i count it as this year um Mm. so it's just brilliant like i just I really hope that it gets the recognition it deserves. I really hope that everyone goes and sees it. I really just, oh, I it's, don't know, man. It's so good, um, and it's it's quite hard because lots most people haven't seen it yet because mm. it's not out yet yeah. properly. So um, we haven't. I haven't come up. Uh, I haven't seen much feedback or heard much more um, from other people, especially not people we know. So I'll, critically, I, it's getting lots yeah. of you know the reward it deserves i think it got five stars in um the guardian uh, little white lies i hadn't the most recent issue of that i'd been sent in the post was call me by your name themed oh um, themed, really lady themed um issues. it's call me by your name theme yeah they have like an overarching <sighs> film they focus yeah, yeah, on they yeah. have interviews it's the cover so the cover and everything the, t- oh. the cover is elio and i, I had to go and have a look yeah i hadn't touched today. it because i oh didn't want to ruin it but they do like a, their rating systems is like um before so your anticipation for it the middle which very is nice during it, a very and then good after arc. yeah um and was all it just of those, like hi, 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 five, hi, five, five, so i just are you gonna read the book do you think i'm tempted yeah now, von, so von went with us to see the film she read the book afterwards it's quite short she said it's much sadder than the film mm. and it's much more focused on elio's uh, uh coming to terms with his sexuality yeah because that's um, the one thing she actually, said it's brilliant so th- that's I, yeah. one that I thing i thought was quite interesting actually is that it's, there's not kind of this overt focus on you know elio no coming to terms he with... seemed quite chill about it which i and i think that's just massively indicative of like the liberal household mm. that he grows up in and there's that oh my scene, god his parents there's that scene towards the end with his father um which i know completely broke us which mm. i think is just it's just really nice to see i mean one of the things that army hammer has been saying in on the press tour i think is that it was just nice to see a film where sort of being gay isn't considered to be this like huge problem yeah you know, no that needs to be fixed kind of yeah, thing especially yeah. for that particular it didn't time. have it wasn't there wasn't a sense of um 
turmoil in it there wasn't a no. lot of coming to terms with it that wasn't the focus of it no which i think is just you know that's which such, must be a nice relief it's for often it's quite a contrast i think in in you know to those other films or anything else like that where it's a sort of a coming of age thing where mm. that's so factored into it yeah um i do also that the was much more accepted wasn't it absolutely um those end credits as well oh man. everyone left people leaving yeah i mean the end credits are important stay you obviously you will stay oh. for the end credits if you watch it um but people getting up and leaving i just want to fucking hang no, for it stay. it's not okay you don't do that stay um everyone go and please go and please, see it though please. it's the greatest thing you'll see it's probably this year um we also watched um what's a couple of weekends ago yeah a couple of weekends ago we got together to watch um the lady gaga documentary five foot two on netflix Netflix. um lady gaga is someone whose work i have followed with interest over the last however many years yeah me too um and the netflix documentary was kind of a nice insight into um it's the recording of her um, album Joanne and the build up to her Super Bowl halftime mm-hmm. show performance. Um, and it was a really, it kind of gives a nice snapshot into her personal life, her relationship with her family, and also her dealings with her health as well. Yeah, I mean, that that was a big, a big part of it, wasn't it? Like this, this whole side of uh, the pain she suffers from, um, which kind of originates from this broken hip she had. Um, and I think that's, yeah, not aside that we've seen and coincidentally the documentary came out around the same time that she had was forced to postpone the european lady of her tour which i thought was really for sad. the same reasons yeah. so um it was a really useful insight to have actually at that time because i kind of had no idea no i know that and she's been sort of i think everyone's kind of assumed it's always been to do with this hip issue but actually it's because she has been suffering from mm. fibromyalgia as well which i think is very it's a um, illness that not a lot of people know a huge no. amount and for someone that's in, the, in such a prominent position to kind of come out and say that I'm dealing with constant pain all of mm. the time um, is quite a you know big thing I thought I just thought it was brilliant I mean she's someone who has had so many iterations of I do have a lot of respect for of Lady identity. I mean she's in you know we were talking about St Vincent earlier and Annie Clark's way of mm. kind of reinventing herself um, like Madonna Gaga is very much like that every time with, you know she's had a new album she's had very different very multiple you know mm. multiple versions of herself sorry um but with joanne it seemed like it was very much more back to basics mm-hmm. and this documentary was like a nice insight into that mm. um it was really cool to see the recording process of joanne actually i really liked yeah. that album this is a great album i think it's a really great album i can understand it felt like um quite a risk for her in terms of it's a much more personal and much more uh, sort of stripped back in a lot of ways it's so it different to her album so so different to the other kind of like electro pop heavy mm. stuff that she had been doing previously it was nice to see her working so closely with uh, Mark Ronson mm. who I love so yes, that was Mark great Ronson for me um, which is nice it was nice to sort of just you know see the impact of someone who because i forget how young she is like, i she's was literally age. about to say it's insane how young she is i think at the time that she first came out she just felt so much older than me but actually she was probably my age yeah it's, it's crazy. crazy she's early 30s right i think she's 31 now so she's a couple absolutely of years absolutely mad now. there's like literal like a couple of years between us it's crazy oh it was but, just such so a... i yeah and i have a lot more respect for her for that reason as well yeah that. i mean she, she she's like, sort of learning as she goes along absolutely she? she's someone who obviously knows what she wants as well and it was interesting seeing those behind the scenes stuff of the super bowl mm. performance and seeing actually how she knew that people would be expecting her to do one thing yeah um so actually what she wanted to do was something completely different so i mean i i really enjoyed that super bowl halftime performance mm. um the only thing i didn't enjoy was the chocolate situation 
oh, on no. the sofa. That was funny. I thought that was in such stark contrast that we were watching this and you just had chocolate all over you. I didn't realise... I was eating Oreo <laughs> chocolate and uh, I didn't realise that I dropped a square of this Cadbury's Oreo chocolate and it had melted all over my ass and the sofa. Um, so halfway through being like, God, this girl's so cool and glamorous and amazing and she's our age i had to like pause the tv and go and wipe melted chocolate off my ass so i was like this is just peak <laughs> this is peak mckenna how the um how the other half look i know right we're watching cho- we're eating chocolate you're getting it all over in my leggings it's just all over the place lady gaga's like, getting just... stressed out because her super bowl outfit doesn't fit her and she's not right. going to take it off in time in her little like crop top looking amazing always and yeah. i'm just wiping chocolate off my ass great it's different different lives oh, different lives um, just some quick book news. Um, the announcement for the Booker Prize is it Man Booker? Man Booker. Man Booker Prize. Man Booker Prize. Um, winners were in, winner. Sorry, was announced uh, last week, and it, it was, was who we wanted. It was our favourite, George Saunders. Yes, one for Lincoln in the Bardo. Um, I said to you afterwards that it's great for me because I never. Of all the when the Man Booker shortlist gets announced, ninety percent of the time I never read any of the books or haven't, or haven't read any of them. So it was really great this year to be like, yeah, I've read it in advance and it's the winner. Yeah, and um, it's great. It's great. It's um, so good. George Saunders, well I mean, deserved. Well, very, very well deserved. Um, there was a bit of a hoo ha. Well, everyone gets really windy when the Man Booker winner gets announced. Oh God! I mean, he's American, so yeah, literature full of whingers. Um, I've never known it. Oh uh, God movement no. movement and movement to have culture, such yeah. cultural to have such a whingy yeah we're all up our own asses, really so yeah, um, so yeah exactly but I was glad that George won um, he's just such a humble what guy. a lovely humble he's person he's so nice he's extremely talented and interesting such an interesting guy one of my favourite things we did this year was go and see him at the um, Lit Fest um, in our fair city and like literally like sit front row and watch him read. meet him and be really embarrassed and oh <laughs> Yeah, just be like, I really like your work. You're really good. Um, What a lovely man he was, though. I would, yeah. And then he had, he, I know that afterwards he had pizza with a bunch of the students. He did, and I was so annoyed that he went and had just pizza in the UEA bar. Yeah, and just chilled out with all the students there because he's... Well, he's a yeah, wonderful man. So, so cool. I definitely recommend everyone reads Lincoln and the Bardo. Mm. It's probably not up everyone's street, but um, you should at least try. I if, think you should try. And it's actually, it's surprisingly easy to get on with once you get into the swing of it. Absolutely. I thought it was going to be more difficult to read than it was. Yeah, on on literally on the paper, it looks like it would be really complicated. But mm. once you're in the swing of it, um, I think it's a very great enjoyable read i yeah. also recommend listening to the audio book of it as well because with there a stellar cast stellar yeah. cast there's multiple voices throughout the book and each of the individual people is played by an other a real life person mm. so it's not like one person reading all the multiples it's individual actors and voice artists i can imagine how much that uh, yeah i can imagine how much that helps and how much that adds to it's really good because it's a, it's a cacophony of voices anyway it's like a play um so, and also just generally recommend everyone reads George Saunders' work generally. Um, his collection of mm. uh, short stories, 10th December, and... Um, oh, God, there's, there's a multiple... There's a few of them. Get on there? the New Yorker website and look at his short fiction. Yeah. Um, he's he's great. He's great. On our running theme um, for this podcast, which is very close to Halloween, um, it's sort of... Yeah, it's sort of fitting. Um, I'm currently reading... Um, a book called Past Mortems, Life and Death Behind Mortuary Doors, great, by uh, Carla Valentine. It's very on brand um, for you. It is very on brand for me. Um, 
I just thought I'd give it a quick shout out because it was sort of thematically related um, and it, it is interesting. Um, I've read there's been a sort of an emergence of a few kind of uh, sort of autobiographical uh, sort of memoir style books um, from women in this sort of in related industry um there's a book called smoke gets in your eyes by caitlin Dowdy, oh, yeah, I remember, uh, I remember. who works uh, in a crematorium she's also released another book recently i think on the same kind of theme or on the theme of sort of coming to terms with death um so she works in the crematorium and her book is uh sort of about how she got into that and her life uh working in the crematorium and uh, sort of these various anecdotes um about uh dealing with death and families and different you know mm-hmm. body relations and things like that um and i guess similarly i read a book called the undertaker's daughter by kate mayfield a couple of years ago um which had a, a strong kind of memoir mem- memoir memoir tone um she grew up um uh her family her dad is an undertaker and she yeah grew up um you know around a funeral home um so there's been a few books in this kind of vein um, and this is the latest one this one's uh, English actually which I hadn't realised so it was weird there's some references to sort of very English things um, but Carla um, works in a mortuary um, it's a lot more visceral than the other books oh really um, even I was a bit squeamish with some of it um, it's really interesting mm-hmm. um, I find I find um, sort of the bits where she's talking about the history of um, Mm -hmm. post-mortem in terms of how it began um, and uh, what it was used for and what people thought, you know, post-mortem could teach them. I found that really interesting. Um, There's a lot of stuff about phases of, like, decomposition with bodies, which is interesting, but that I was, like, not feeling massively comfortable reading at night in bed. I just felt a bit like... Um, it's so it's a lot more um it's quite grisly yeah it's funny isn't it's it it's quite grisly I, it's in comparison of... to the other ones that i've read on similar subjects yeah it's very grisly i wonder if that speaks to kind of the the kind of way that we approach death or the way that we deal with yeah death did you ever watch six feet under i haven't watched it no oh. it's on my it's on my maternity list of things to watch sure. when I'm having a baby. yeah it's really interesting because i remember watching that when i was uh, probably a teenager when it was on tv and it's kind of that film the film the tv show itself revolves around a family that have a funeral home mm. um and it's kind of like how you know yeah dealing with death all the time kind of affects them mm. um so it is interesting mm. to sort of think about how the way that we kind of perceive death and how, yeah. how we deal with death and, and i always am very very intrigued by what it must be like to deal with that on a daily basis yeah like that's your job mm. is sort of dealing with death every mm. single day and and that side of death as well it's not like working in a medical profession like a doctor no. or anything like that it's it's really like the final point and actually ooh, it's, yeah. and it's sort of the books i've read have been very much sort of women dealing with death mm-hmm. as well which is important that's interesting um, yeah i think actually i mean i am enjoying i think I can say I'm enjoying this book. Um, I haven't finished it. I'm about halfway through. I think I preferred the other ones in a way because um, a lot of their anecdotes were related to um, families and I guess were slightly more sort of contemplating contemplating mortality and life and death. Yeah. Whereas um, 
the the examples in this book are a bit more they feel a bit more like dinner party gossip as in like i had this guy and his guts exploded today sort of thing yeah so i'm not as into that you know Mm -hmm. like here's a funny story we had this victim who looked their body looked like this which Mm -hmm. i'm not fussed Mm -hmm. by i'm definitely more here for like the you know this person's life turned out this way and the family felt this way and this made me think about my own life in certain ways and i feel much more i guess it like gives i'm it... there for the spiritual side and it's it is interesting to hear about the sort of the reality of what working in a mortuary is but i personally i'm not really into a bit the more, grisly detail no it's a bit more personal whereas the other stuff i feel is a bit like a purposeful distancing from the fact mm. that like that is actually someone that was once alive and had a once once alive sorry and had a life and had a family mm, and everything yeah. else like that rather than being like you know the sensationalist stuff i kind of yeah i like the, yeah yeah i liked yeah i kind of like the the reflective stuff and i like the scientific stuff as in like this is what your enzymes do when you die yeah like i'm interested in that it's kind of the weird dinner table sensationalist fodder in the middle that i'm not into no no I know um, so it's not quite as good as the other books that i've read um but it's it's interesting okay i'll have to check it out mm. cool um so on to tv which will then lead us nicely onto our uh, topic of our choice. main topic, our of main topic of, uh, we just wanted to talk a little bit about mindhunter yes. which is the uh netflix uh series which debuted on october the 13th friday the 13th no less. um it's created by joe Pen- uh, pennell um who was the screenwriter of the road and enduring love which i didn't realize it's based on uh, <laughs> a really interesting combination it is isn't it which is quite funny um it's based on the true crime book mindhunter inside the fbi's elite serial crime unit which was written by johnny douglas and Mark um, Olshaker. Um, it's produced by David Fincher and Charlize Theron, which I thought was interesting. I didn't, yeah, I hadn't She's realized. She's one of that. the named um, producers. Um, an excellent lady. It's got Jonathan Groff as um, FBI agent Holden Ford, Hot McClaney as Bill Tench, Anna Torv as Wendy Carr, plus um, some brilliant performances by Cameron Britton as Edmund Kemper, who's the co-ed killer, mm. um, Happy Anderson as Jerry Brudos, who's the shoot a fetish slayer, and Jack Erdy as... Uh, ooh, how many episodes have you got left? I don't, uh, I don't know if I want to say this. Two, I think I have two left. Okay, there's another sure. person who turns up that I don't necessarily want to talk about. So I think I probably know who it is. Oh, okay, anyway. So it's basically about the formation of the FBI's unit, which profiles serial killers. Um, we've been looking forward to it um, a great so long. deal. We mentioned the, the hype has been trailer. Very real. I think we mm. talked about it last time as well that we were really looking forward to it. Um, I finished it. Yes. You've got a few episodes left. I've got a couple left. of episodes left. Um, thoughts, feelings thus um, far? I really enjoy it. Um, I feel like I w- we were always going to really enjoy it. Um, we have slight buy-in when it comes to uh, this topic. Absolutely. Uh, serial killers, true crime... David Fincher Fincher in particular Um, lots of mostly morbid uh, topics Um, it's totally um, up our street Uh, the the killers uh, that have been uh, sort of featured in this season um, mostly I'd say we are familiar with Mm -hmm. um, and it yeah they've been portrayed extremely close to real life it's It's so creepy it's pretty creepy how how close they've got it in terms of i mean ed kemper in particular appearance voice 
mannerisms so the thing for me was quite insane which was quite interesting is that i'm as as discussed i'm big into true crime as are you but tom um, my husband isn't necessarily a massively au fait with the ins and outs of various um mass killers so it was quite funny what i mean right how awful Um, i made him watch some videos of Ed Kemper in particular, because mm. I was like, you need to understand how good Cameron Britton's performance is. It's eerie. So on the money. So on the money. And I think it's... it's The concept for the show has been particularly interesting as well, because you sort of think about this time is set in 77, mm-hmm. I believe. So it's, um, you know, five or six years after Zodiac Killer's come to mm-hmm. prominence, they mentioned Son of Sam has just been caught. Mm. Um, and it's in a particularly interesting time in American history, but it's also just mad to think that up until now, up until now, as in in 1977, no one had really, there was no specialised unit dedicated to mass... No, there I mean, wasn't even... They hadn't even t- t- coined the term no, serial killer No, there's a brilliant bit where they keep saying, you know... Se- sequence killer. Sequence killers. And then they, there's a little bit of a discussion about what actually might be a better mm. piece of terminology for them. Mm. Um, because obviously the whole... The whole the unit itself focuses around the fact that it's a piece of academic study where they're yeah. building up how to profile, you know, and mm. prevent people from killing in this particular way and it's mm. just really funny to imagine that like it's 1977 and no one's used the term serial killer yet. crazy because we're time. so familiar with yeah, it yeah it's such a, um, a I just, thing now. I just really 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 enjoyed it I'd been really looking forward to it but I'd been partly apprehensive that actually perhaps it wouldn't fill up to its perpen- fill up to fulfil its potential sorry mm. um, but it's brilliant Jonathan Groff is exceptional as Holden Ford he's, he's just really this good. weird kind of yeah his his, his behaviour is yeah he I assume he is supposed to be very a little naive. bit on the spectrum he's very naive um, a bit unaware and it's got some strange terms of phrase yeah, it just um, it looks brilliant as well it's very david fincher in that is. respect i mean one of my my former favorites david fincher film is zodiac which is based on mm. the zodiac killings um so that's why i was looking forward to it so much because the idea of him tack- i mean all of his films do come from a point of view of being um about sort of crime really yeah so um so it's, he's got kind of got this visual um landscape but it's yeah i know style what you mean. that's very for me goes hand in hand with that particular yeah. genre so Quite and because of the setting as well because it is the 70s it does remind me of zodiac in a lot of oh yeah it's ways. so yeah but the it just has up the just, scenery and the feel completely it just has that visual style mm. that's very david fincher though um but mm. yeah i just really enjoyed it i mean we so there are 10 episodes which is t- it's just shy of eight, 10 I, hours i thought it was eight episodes is that eight episodes i think it's eight no i thought it was 10 oh why do I think it's eight? Maybe it is eight. Anyway, I think it's ten. Whatever. Anyway, it's it just didn't feel like it was as. It's long a as short it was. run of episodes. Yeah, the the downside to that is now that I'm finished, I have to wait an entire year. Yes, for anything. But more. there is one thing at the end of it though that um, I mean, I there's one sort of thing that keeps cropping up. Yeah, I, think I know that what that keeps, is. Yeah. Keeps cropping up, and I called it really, really early on, just because again of my knowledge of Prior knowledge of true crime mm. stuff. But Tom had no awareness mm. of it. Which is which I think is quite cool actually. So maybe for some people that are in the in the know, as it were, it's, I feel like it's good fun for those um, who already have an interest in it. Um, the yeah, those kind of little I don't know if you want to call them Easter eggs, but those little bits um, that you could pick up on. Um, and I guess anyone who's familiar with um, other sort of 
bits of pop culture um, that Holden Ford, the lead protagonist, is uh, a reputation, uh, a representation of Johnny Douglas, uh, one of the authors. Yeah, because it's opposite characters, not. Yeah, um, and he was also uh, the inspiration for quite a few characters, uh, FBI characters in Silence of the Lambs, um, and Hannibal Lawrence Fishburne in the tv series hannibal used uh, johnny douglas as a direct um inspiration yeah i was explaining that to tom actually because i tom's never seen really interesting yeah tom's never seen science of the lamb mm. so i was immediately going like oh he's like the that's who the guy is mm. and he was someone's like i've got no awareness of it but i think that's interesting for me that's actually is that he tom had has not is not really like into true crime like mm. i said but he still really really enjoyed, enjoyed it, it. the way that everything was unfolding and yeah i think for him because it, there's that kind of like behavioral science psychology side of it that's what he's fascinating found incredibly mm. incredibly interesting is actually you know understanding the mindset of those people that commit those crimes mm. and give or take a couple of gory photos um it's not very sensationalist it's no. very because it does focus very much on the behavioral aspect and the interviews with the killers i mean i haven't seen the whole season so maybe it takes a dramatic turn and turns into like no. a <laughs> csi kind no. of episode but um yeah it's like a different it's a less sort of sensational yeah i mean my only my only criticism is that i'm not particularly sold on the relationship between Holden and Debbie. Bit, oh yeah, yeah, or yeah. The character of Debbie. She, I, I, I think she's a great character, and the actress mm-hmm. is doing a great kind of contrasting performance to Jonathan Groff. But she also just feels a little bit like there for the mm. sake of it to sort of be this kind of like hippie counterpoint have a, to how yeah. straight lace Holden is so yeah. I'm really hoping to show that, just how yeah what, which to is accentuate his personality maybe completely and she's she's an academic herself which I actually sort of hope they do a lot more with mm-hmm. because she has the intelligence and integrity of you know in contrast to like Wendy Carr who's the mm. um doctor that gets involved mm. in the unit itself um She's very similar to yeah. her, so I'm really hoping that in the second season, actually, they develop Debbie's character a little bit more in that her relationship with Holden mm-hmm. and just make her less of kind of like a sort of girlfriendy object. Um, yeah, like I mean, David, to run in parallel. Yeah, I mean, um, David Fincher has an interesting way of representing women on film. Um, yeah. I think that's a, mm-hmm. often my only crit- well, my, I think there's been one um, criticism of his work generally mm. is that he's not very particularly good at creating rounded female characters. Yeah. Um, so I, I think wasn't there's really been surprised. some. Uh, I think there's been some split opinion on Mindhunter, and that has been one of the criticisms. Mm. Um, and also some people just grappling, um, just not actually really liking uh, Holden Ford. I don't think you're supposed to like him no so I'm kind of fine with that I can sit back and not really like someone but I think some people do find that very difficult yeah I think the whole point is that over the course of the season you do sort of see this transition within him and how he kind of his behaviour changes because Mm. of the work that they're doing especially in those last episodes Mm. he sort of takes a kind of there's like a developing level of Mm. arrogance in contrast to sort of someone like Bill who you can see is sort of it's a long haul it's a lot more grounded yeah it? I think yeah. he's been doing it for a lot longer and has been sort of around criminals like that for a lot longer mm. so he just feels a little bit more detached from it whereas yeah. Holden seems to become a little bit more consumed by it but I think that's the point I think mm. you're supposed to sort of see actually how consuming that work is mm. um, and actually you know maybe the, the effect that it would have on you especially if you are being positioned to essentially be in this part of this amazing research which actually then goes on to change the way that the FBI yeah. operates so it slightly goes to on to kind of do, to perhaps yeah. be aware of that mm. um i suppose is yeah. um would naturally 
trigger a change in your behavior but yeah i, I really enjoyed it mm. i, I mean it one of the other uh one of the other criticisms per se um is that some people have thought it is quite sympathetic to the serial killers which i didn't really get well i haven't got thus far and in fact there is a conversation in the car between bill and um holden in which they talk about whether um they're showing sympathy towards the killers by listening to them speak um or whether they're sympathizing too heavily or making them out believing that they are victims yeah i mean um so actually i didn't think it was victimizing the serial killers no i think that i think that something that tackles that head on is the fact that holden on the one hand is often Mm. sort of like you know has that opinion where it feels but bill's bill's the counterpoint to that bill's basically going to him like no but you have to realize these are criminals yeah when he talks about ed kemper as well i won't mention the the grim details of what Mm. ed kemper did you can read that for yourself but at the same time like bill is constantly reminding him that like no but you have to understand that like ed kemper like Mm. decapitated and then like Mm. did very horrible things so like you can think that it's very sad that he had a very sad upbringing and mm. his mother did this and mm. or, you know that but actually you do realize that like mm. he was a very very violent yeah you know horrible killer so mm. the way that he projects himself and there, there's some interesting things when you talk about the psychology of it and there's well, stuff the that thing. debbie brings I mean, up like, the theatrics of yeah of to understand i mean i think by like looking that. at psychology and behavioral psychology you have to you have to look into things like someone's background and their own experiences and it's not necessarily being sympathetic to them but it's just trying to understand what may have motivated them it's the understanding and you can i think you can feel sorry for them to an extent Mm. like i don't think they're victims per se but actually some there are quite a few cases out there um of serial killers or mass murderers or just you know evil people who have had particularly harrowing upbringings and i don't think i can i don't have to feel guilty about going it is it uh, it's a shame that that happened to No, them. my my feeling is that I just sort of feel sad that their lives have turned out that way. Yeah. You know, that, that's not me feeling, like, empathetic towards, like, oh, poor them. No. But it's like, no, I just feel really sad that, like, sad. someone's... I actually, going back to the um, my friend Dharma, that's how I sort of felt about that, is that it's just really sad that that's how that person's life yeah, turned out. Yeah, I don't feel... Because then sympathetic, but no. I feel because then you sad, then you understand yeah. that you know the way that that person's life has turned out has then affected the lives of mm. a significant amount of other people because their behaviour has then mm. you know affected yeah, other people absolutely. In, in a particularly violent and aggressive way. Mm. So um, I, I sort of understand that criticism of it, mm. but I don't. I didn't personally. I have. I didn't. I didn't feel that, that at all. No. Um, mostly because I think I know the nuances of what they did. Yeah, and I think that for me that just you immediately have this detachment when you realise like oh well that person you know killed a bunch of people in particularly violent Mm. ways so i don't feel bad for them Mm. i'd be interested if anyone else has i think a lot of people you know have watched it Mm. and who are listening to this who may have watched it i'd be interested to hear their take on it and whether they've enjoyed it yeah i we have um, or if there's anything in particular that i haven't enjoyed yeah completely i also haven't read much critical stuff about it yet because i think i've been purposefully avoiding it yeah you don't want to do it when you're watching it you want to watch it in your own bubble i guess yeah completely so i think that's something i'm going to go back and do and just read a little bit more about it just sort of once i've got some distance from it i think because we kind of blasted through it quite quickly over the course of a week um just because we both had time off um tom and i both had time off so we wanted to finish it um swiftly before the internet could ruin it for us, <laughs> yes yes um, guys 
also just because we were enjoying it so much you kind of it is to really it. like oh i just want to watch another episode yeah so it'll be interesting to sort of re- see what the critical reception has been actually and mm. um, that's something i'm going to go back to you. so um on the subject of uh true crime um because it's halloween it seems very appropriate and it's an appropriate time of the year um we thought we'd just have a little bit of a chat um about i guess kind of true crime in particular um but maybe some other bits and pieces um because true crime in pop culture feels like it's really at its peak at mm, the moment it does, isn't it's it? a huge thing um people are particularly relishing in it at the moment i guess it's grown in popularity due to things like uh serial the podcast uh the dot netflix documentary uh, making a murder um cases like uh amanda knox oh, yeah. i just think these all of these kind of different elements have really um brought it to the forefront of what people are enjoying at the moment um and uh yeah it, i just wanted to have a bit of a discussion um with you about kind of your um i don't want to say your favorites but w- what interests you about no this. i think i mean i know that one of the i mean sort of podcast podcast wise there's been like a, a rise of true crime based things oh I mean, massively we, we we love um my favorite murder yeah got very into my favorite murder very swiftly yeah um and that was sort of the thing that i took from that the most was actually understanding that like one of my i don't want to say favorite things to do because that sounds just a bit weird but one of the thing that i end up doing quite often is like reading about true crime yeah events reading about serial killers reading about that kind of stuff and it was with my favorite murder in particular it's one of those things where you actually realize that like you're not the only person it's nicely reaffirming like it's reassuring like that even you're not the only person that has this sort of like morbid curiosity and all of that stuff Mm. um so that's why i think in the last year or so in particular it has been interesting i think it's been something we've discussed a lot isn't it yeah Um, it's sort of realizing that actually like other people are into that mm. stuff too yeah it's Um, more of an accepted form um so i mean i guess true crime um as a kind of concept uh, as opposed to fictional uh crime um uh, it's something that i think people have always like society has always been obsessed with mm. like you think about um you know going as attending hangings public trials public executions yeah. like it's always there's always been an element of spectatorship with that um true crime is a kind of i guess a concept in sort of pop culture and literature um really came to the forefront uh between 1550 and 1700s when all these crime pamphlets would be published and they'd report sort of all of the latest gruesome crimes mm-hmm. in these little pamphlet kind of periodicals and of course you also had things like penny, penny dreadfuls which yeah, were more absolutely. fictional um they also used to publish a lot of ballads in like broadsheets um they'd publish trial uh scripts um so there was a lot uh out um in society um at that time um that were people were kind of consuming and i guess it's interesting that um in a lot of ways people always regard um true crime or have regarded true crime in the same way that they've regarded uh crime fiction and horror in that it's sensationalist kind of uh, trashy well it's like um, the extreme side of human yeah nature. it's the extreme yeah. side of human nature it's kind of seen as a trashy thing it's not um of any particular quality but i mean even back in the day um those uh crime pamphlets those broadsheets uh those penny dreadfuls would have been read by the upper classes because no one else was literate so Absolutely. actually it's always been a kind of of a 
I guess, a high cultural interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but but now, more than ever, it's it's become huge in pop culture and it's something that everyone has an opinion about and everyone uh, wants to be an armchair detective, um, wants to be involved in. Um, when... What was your first memory of... When did you first like get into any kind of real-life crime? I um, think it's probably safe to say that, like, serial killers in particular, I'm not... I'm less into, like, corporate crime or gangsters. <laughs> yeah. I just or, really like corporate crime. I just crime. like white-collar crime just so really big much. Um, no, it's interesting. So I... Um, it's mostly murder, isn't it? It's mostly murder. I remember really vividly having an awareness of like two particular cases when I was a kid. Charles Manson, was yeah. it? No, no, it was. Um, they were both child killings, which is gross. Oh I think God, were they British child killings as uh, well? No, well, one was um, was the Jamie Bolger. Yes. Yeah, it was Jamie, Jamie Bolger. I remember that being in the press in the nineties when I was a kid. Yeah, um, that was particularly horrifying, and I think it was just because I, it, it was just. Kids killing kids. kids, yeah. Kids killing kids, and I remember just the really graphic nature of finding out what those kids did to Jamie Bolger Mm. at an age where I like definitely shouldn't have known about it. Yeah, I feel like we were all exposed to that quite young. It was on the story. It was on the the news so much, heavily, and. um, I also do. Do you you ever watch Crime Watch in your? Yes, Crime Watch was. I mean, that was. I mean, for non a non British. I guess listeners non-British listeners Crime Watch was this show that used to happen in the I don't know I think it's on anymore but no. in the UK Crime Watch was a show where it basically had um, sort of reconstructions of crimes to help solve them yeah so they it, were real crimes that the police were trying to solve yes yeah, so it was sort of, I guess there probably are equivalents in the US but basically like it would have reconstructions or they'd talk at length about crimes and hope that people would come forward with yeah with, um, I'd completely forgotten about Crime yeah, Watch yeah I used to my mum my never really maybe made you she never really let me watch it but it was one of those things where if it was on so basically the news yes the news (laughs) news and crime Crime watch watch. um, crime watch was a weird concept yeah you know it was quite successful yeah which is great but Mm. i just you know you know when you're like faced with the um the reality of like how shit the world is but jamie borger was like one of the first things i remember hearing about being like fucking hell like yeah um and then i guess um I don't know, really. It's hard, isn't it? Because I feel like it's just one of those things that once you kind of become aware of, it's like everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I Um, think there's, yeah, I think I was the same as you in that, like, there was a lot of, like, stranger danger stuff when I was younger. Um, A lot of really high-profile child abductions. Um, Yeah, which I guess, yeah, you hear a lot about because it's on TV. Yeah. And it's television. Yeah. And then I guess it was sort of becoming more um, familiar with like film and TV. Yeah. Um, I remember Science of the Lambs was a big thing. Yes. Yeah. I probably watched that at an age where I probably shouldn't have watched it. I think everyone did. Yeah. That was a, that was I remember a big thing. watching it and thinking it was quite boring because I was like, "There's <laughs> no like, like, oh, there's so there's much no build gore in this. Here. Like, it's well, really when I said it's to like you, a police procedural. This is so boring." When I explained to Tom about, because again, Tom has never seen it, and he was like, well, I, just, "I think I was a bit scared," and I was like, "But it's not scary though. Like, I don't consider it scary. No, ninety percent of that film is just people." Buffalo doing... Bill is fucking scary. Yeah, but... I think you have to reach a certain point in your life before you start finding that scary. As a kid, I thought it was. I was like, "This is so boring." You're just like, this "There's is really no boring. guts." It's no... But uh, actually, that's true, isn't it? Because you just realise the subtlety of like 
why he's so why he's yeah. so terrifying this isn't like yeah this isn't a slasher movie effect <laughs> no i was very upset that no, and that's the contrast movie. isn't it between like slasher movies and actual mm. things that are rooted in um truth i mean i i remember watching seven as well yes david fincher um again seven was a big one is seven me. based on what's seven based on is it based i on don't anything? think it's based on no. anything but it's obviously uh, Kev- kevin spacey um being the sort of doing the seven deadly sins mm. um what's in the book that's the so harrowing Ooh, um, and yeah i mean that's david fincher isn't it again so the mind hunter um connection mm. um i just yeah i think a lot of mine was pop culture related i remember um, i remember um, reading a lot about the west memphis three yeah which isn't serial killery but it's still true crime oh yeah 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 isn't it and i remember especially because that that got covered quite a lot in magazines i was reading yeah. at the time because of its connections it was with culturally yeah music and particularly like metal and everything like that so um i remember reading about that a lot and that mm. got me into sort of the true crime side of stuff mm. um I, I was just really big on zodiac as well yes i can imagine as mentioned multiple times zodiac is probably the big one for me mm. um so when the film zodiac came out in 2007 i was like fuck yeah i like finally yeah um, but i just think it's one of the, i don't know at what point i realized i had this weird morbid curiosity with reading about these things probably the rise of the internet yeah yeah i think i mean i think i've probably had too much i think I've, it just ties into a general morbid curiosity that well, I think we both have. Like, I know, me, I definitely have. Yeah, so, for me, it's the extremity um, of human nature. It's understanding mm-hmm. why these people. It's not like the gory details of it mm-hmm. so much. It's just sort of like the sheer mechanics of like I don't understand why someone would behave. Yeah, this exactly. Way. I mean, I as a teenager, like the music that I was into and the films that I watched, obviously became really, um, really interested in Charles Manson as a kind of cult thing. Um, I remember reading like How to Skelter on the plane when I went to America when I was like 14 <laughs> sure. just like in front of my mum and dad like well, this wh- is what I'm into now well one of the things that Tom said when we were like reading about Mindhunter and the people that are featured in Mindhunter he said it's like quite funny when you go on like the um, bios of each of the mm. kind of people that are mentioned is that, that there's always at least like two or three pop culture references yes. where they mention Tom said in the Ed Kemper one there's like loads of metal bands that get listed mm. and um, it's you know so it's it's understandable that that's where kind of I don't know the seed was set I guess for us yeah is actually it was, in, that, in that kind of it really was and pop culture is just it's just yeah it's kind of riddled with it um, and I remember watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh um, same and yeah reading about Ed Gein that's the thing isn't it you end up when especially when you watch uh, TV and film. Um, you look it up you look up what the actual real life mm. influences were um, and I think that was a big thing for me is actually kind of like oh well, what is what inspired the, mm. like you know this particular film or what's yeah. that supposed to be based on or if it's if it's based on like a real life mm. occurrence like what actually happened mm. so yeah that's definitely a big one for the, yeah Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah it's like yeah it's very cl- it's just very closely linked to pop culture for me um, so yeah I think it's probably in the last few years with podcasts like my favorite murder that we've kind of talked about it more mm. and i think just everyone generally um 
kind of lists it as an interest now um whereas before maybe when i was younger i thought it was a bit more niche <laughs> yeah i would never have necessarily brought it up in conversation as well before no no not at all i think I, like the things like cereal Ooh, it, it was more of a guilty pleasure right complete guilty pleasure yeah you just don't necessarily talk about the fact that you've spent like three hours reading about like i used to do it a lot when i was in yeah. uni you read about a lot of really morbid shit yeah i do like i do, would do like wikipedia deep dives and end up reading about particular people until very late at night and then just be like i've wasted four hours reading about like the gross nuances of like this particular killer's mo mm. and all of this stuff but i would never go you know next day be like guess what i guess what wrote. i've been reading whereas about, like, now, interesting facts yeah whereas yeah. now i would be like oh i read this thing last night here i'm gonna send it to like, five other people i know that are equally as interested in this as yeah. me now because i we talk about it mm. quite regularly so that's that's been sort of an interesting shift actually is um you know the fact that like everyone talks about it a lot more right which and is very really interesting. it is yeah i think you can talk about it a lot more openly now yeah like you can say you're a fan of true crime and people don't think that you're an aspiring murderer it's like less of a taboo um, in a it weird is. way it definitely isn't it? is and i think it's moved from in a lot of ways as well it's um moved from be, being a guilty pleasure to being kind of high culture in that um i was thinking yesterday like uh, his bloody project um, which is yeah. a non-fiction book true crime book by graham burnett mccray i think that's his name sorry mm-hmm. if i got it wrong graham um that was shortlisted for the man booker um the fact of a body um is another true crime book which i haven't read yet um that's had loads of critical acclaim um and there's kind of those yeah like it's I've, i always feel like if something becomes literary <laughs> that's when you know it's passed into high culture in a lot of well, ways it's true isn't it i um, mean on the flip side with just again with going back to my favorite murder i know that um for my birthday i got um Anne rule's book mm. about ted bundy and i know that about, about that was influenced a lot by the fact that um karen kilgareth um mentioned it a lot mm. in on mfm and then i know that there are about sort of four or five other people that also got the book and were reading it around the same time yeah um because it is just sort of like this thing of you know like, oh it's more acceptable whereas like you look at i mean the, the front cover of the Anne rule book is just so trashy i mean my it's so trash it looks like it could be yeah like my my um copy of the um trashy library mills and yeah exactly style. that's what that and that's what it reminds me of my copy of the zodiac book as well looks like super like pulp fiction yeah. in the sense that and it reminds me a lot of the books that my mum used to read when i was growing yeah. up my mum used to read a lot of crime fiction and a lot of them had these sort of like trashy looking kind of front covers mm. um and it's it's is funny now how it's can it has transitioned into being yeah, a little bit has. more highbrow it has and like i think crime fiction has stayed as a kind of like genre i think i think genre often has something to do with it mm-hmm. people see that as kind of trashy or like guilty pleasure yeah. um and yeah i don't know i don't know whether it's because true crime has like a research element to it as well that people just automatically think it's more I don't know that it's superior. Well, it's funny because reading, um, reading know. the reading the Zodiac book. I mean, David Fincher's book, um, David Fincher's book, David Fincher's film itself is based heavily on um, Robert Graysmith's book that mm. he wrote about Zodiac killers because he spent so much time researching it, investigating it, and the the like level of detail in that book is insane. Mm. And you do have to understand that, like, it's, you know, Robert Graysmith himself in particular was kind of this, you know, he was a cartoonist at work at the SF Chronicle, mm. so he didn't have any kind of um, 
you know crime-based background he just was someone that was there at the time this Mm. was unfolding and he decided to just sort of investigate it because you know at the time no one knew what the fuck was going Mm. on so everyone ended up becoming a detective to sort of help Mm. out the various different um police departments that were trying to you know um sort of deal with what was unfolding and just yeah the level of detail in Mm. gray smith's book the sort of the the intricacies of, of what he's gone back over and actually how he's patched everything together mm, is insane and it's you know yeah. and I'm, I'm sure the same is about um same as the case about Anne Rule's book is actually mm. you know she was someone that worked with Ted Bundy mm. and then then had to deal with the fact that like she you know would then go back and second guess all mm. of this stuff that was happening at the time the same time that she was working with him I and mean, the big thing with Anne Rule as well is that she even when they named the fact that like it was a particular car that was seen that was the same as Ted Bundy's car mm. um she she still was like oh but he's such a nice guy like she didn't want to make the connection so it's, right. it's sort of yeah I wonder if yeah and I think that's probably another reason why people are enjoying it so much um those two examples you mentioned they're they're not these aren't true crime um, investigations carried out necessarily by you know really um qualified members of the fbi like these are normal people um and i guess with like the emergence of like true crime podcasts like anyone could be an investigator now like there are lots of people who want to start their own true crime podcast because they want to you know become a detective in that way and that i don't know i think that's probably a strong part of it as well is that it's not just guessing who done it anymore it's like you could like anyone could yeah, absolutely. Investigate I mean, and discover the answer to this unsolved crime. I know there are like you know there are Reddit's and websites of the people love people spend oh, hours and hours stuff, and hours dissecting and helping. I mean that was the big thing with serial, wasn't it? Of mm. course, is that you know it was just this case that was unfolding, and then every, everyone ended up getting involved in trying to, mm. you know, it was just sort of one of um, um, Adnan Saeed's like friends, the you know lawyer yeah. that actually sort of went back over it mm. in, in great depth so yeah it's every, everyone kind of is trying their that hand at it everyone's trying i mean for me the ones that. that i find more interesting are those period pieces mm. as it were which is why i think i enjoyed mindhunter so much is mm. because it's that kind of rise at the end of the 70s and 80s where actually a lot of people were being caught because the um they were introducing all these new elements yeah right? they were introducing new elements of actually being able to profile them and actually mm. catch them but then it but then i i'm very intrigued by you know what actually what what was happening at that time you know that's why i think like I don't know, the big one for me is i'm i'm really into mm. the into dharma mm. dharma's always someone that i come back to yeah um it, it's it's that element of well it's like hiding in plain sight yeah yeah, yeah Dharma's yeah. Dharma's particularly which gruesome. is why why Ted Bundy's such a Ted Bundy is another one as well one. because it's sort of you know the the longevity of how long things happened mm. for I mean it's why Zodiac intrigues me so mm. much because they never caught the Zodiac yeah they were they had suspects they thought it was um but they never caught him mm. there was a period where he stopped mm. so obviously something happened mm. but they never they never you don't know who it is mm. and that's just really really interesting yeah I guess there's quite a safe distance there as well not just in terms of you know you're listening or watching these things at home so you're safe but the distance of time because serial killers in particular um are much less of a thing nowadays yeah. it's quite difficult to be a serial killer nowadays you get caught you very quickly yeah you can't evade the police um, as much right so a lot of these cases have a good like mm. 30 40 years um or you know slightly less um, between us and them i think with, there's like an element of safety there but um that was going to be one of my big questions is um sort of why why we enjoy 
watching, reading, hearing about true crime and also why it's so popular with women because um, I, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed, I've noticed that like, you know, the people who listen and engage with my favourite murder are like 99% women. Yeah. Everyone I know who's really interested in true crime, not just like a passing interest, really interested like we are, are women. Yeah. Um, I was reading an article um, which was called Why Are Women Obsessed With True Crime by Anna Dawn. Um, some of it I didn't necessarily agree with, but she was, uh, there was a paragraph which was talking about the popularity of true crime and how, um, like, fictional shows like Law and Order, CSI, Bones are majority female viewers. Um, the, the, some of the TV networks, so you know, they've got ID Network, which is Investigation Discovery, mm-hmm. and they've got a new American network called Oxygen, which mm-hmm. is like all true crime. They're both, aimed towards women um and they're women's really most watched cable networks on television so they're the channels that women watch most i don't know if it comes a lot of the fact that like i guess it's a lot of the victims mm. i are guess women. statistically are women so i think it's maybe it comes from that is it like a self-preservation aspect maybe think? i think maybe it's because also it's a, a quite a taboo subject mm. i guess a lot if uh, historically you'll probably find that a lot of the, the investors Gators involved in the crimes will be men as well mm. so um yeah i don't know it's interesting mm. though i had noticed that and it is quite funny that i mean and of the true crime based content that i engage with i almost prefer to like on a to an alarming degree those that are female fronted or female run like like the podcast most of the true crime podcasts that i, enjoy I are absolutely i have no issue with well that's not true i don't enjoy um last podcast on the left at all no do you know what i was I gonna bring this it. up i have no i have you know i don't want to get into it but i just don't I've tried no. multiple times. Well, I tried I again people... last week. Yeah. So I downloaded a couple of episodes and I kind of went right into the middle mm-hmm. and found subjects that I really enjoy, mm-hmm. which were true crime related. Um, and just thought like this, every single episode they do, like every single title, that's something I'm interested in. Yeah. Like same. this is literally a podcast that should be designed for On what paper. we enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every single topic. I'm like, Completely. I want to listen to a podcast about that. And I can't fucking deal with it. I, I can't think deal with for it. me, a lot of it comes from the fact that I would rather have a woman talk about the intricacies and gruesomeness right. of crimes that are largely committed against women yeah. than I would have a man. It just feels uncomfortable. Yeah, it, there is something strange about it. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I've tried multiple times because there, especially there are particular things that like, for example, like MFM and others haven't necessarily covered, which last podcast yeah. have so i've been like oh maybe i'll give it a go but i just i've tried and i've tried i've tried, tried, tried. we've can't. tried more than once guys and we just can't yeah. do it um i and, do but yeah, yeah maybe it does come from the fact that it is sort of i don't know because it is female a lot of it's i mean that's not to say across the board it isn't obviously because dharma for example his victims were male so mm. that's not you know it's not no but i i would say it's not 100 percent. but there is a large it's either i think nearly most of the time it's it's largely female victims it comes down if to not the... it's often it would be like it would be homosexual men who are victims yeah. and it's nearly always male killers yeah nearly yeah, yeah, always of course. um well really like majority i'd say i think it yeah for me it definitely I, I suppose it comes down to the way that they handle it yeah the language they use to describe it i i think that there's not the humor elements yeah it's it feels more appropriately delivered mm. i just not that i'm going to say that last 
podcast is misogynistic because I don't necessarily think that that's true, but no, it's just the way that things get. The level handled. of humour is slightly pitched differently to. What if someone's I... going to make a joke about someone being murdered, a woman being murdered, I'd rather perhaps that it was a woman. Yeah. In, in the right context, yeah. not that I'm saying that's an appropriate thing to do, but you know what I mean. Like, no, I it just feels a little bit. It feels a lot little bit different when like mm. Karen and Georgia say stuff than yeah. when they say it on mm. male based content. Yeah. Male based content. Yeah, do you see what I mean? No, I, think, I definitely I think do. that for me is um I think there's a angle. yeah, there's like a big safe space aspect to it and I think it's, you know, a way of exploring like anxieties that we do have safely i do think i like the idea about your suggestion that it is almost like self-preservation i think it is you're almost like these are i'm not saying that i don't i don't listen to this stuff like the podcast in particular i don't just listen to them in order to prepare for my own attack no but it's harnessing yourself they are very real anxieties and i feel like you're exploring them fully um and actually i have learned some things that um on the one hand i don't think make me sound paranoid but like just little things like there have been a couple of stories on mfm that have made me lock my car when i'm by myself driving at night now yeah um just in case i have to pull up at traffic lights like that does actually make that has actually made me feel a bit safe i do think that's where it comes from then perhaps it's just sort of like the concerns of what it is to be a woman Mm. in the world um always and especially at the moment i Mm. think it's just sort of yeah i think there's an empower there's a big empowerment aspect to it as well um especially having women run these podcasts or uh you know tv shows things like that um it's really empowering yeah and i think it's because i think it's because crime um as a genre Mm -hmm. and then crime in the real world i think is so male dominated or has has sorry always been so male dominated that it is almost this taboo element that actually Mm. to be a woman and say like oh yeah no my favorite thing is to sit and spend hours reading about serial killers Mm. and swapping you know details with my friends about it is Mm. is like such like an anti Mm. you know not anti-female thing but it's just that historically it's been a thing that like oh no if there's a crime has been committed like don't tell the women they're too weak yeah the we- their disposition can't from it. yeah their disposition cannot handle it um, can't handle it so i think that's perhaps where it comes from as well mm. um, i mean you you know on tv there've been a, a significant amount of kind of female fronted um crime shows in the last few years i mean i think about the full broad church that you know there's all of those type things that's quite interesting as well isn't it to sort of have a female um dominated um sort of show yeah absolutely crime mm. that strong female lead um and you see that a lot in films don't you obviously Sansa the lambs is a big one there yeah. with clarice is that sort of you know she's posited as this supposed to be like oh no you can't you can't get involved in this you're like a weak you're woman. a lady yeah you're a lady yeah, yeah. But actually okay. you know yeah it's amazing um do you think do you think there's any dangerous aspects to it do you find yourself more anxious about stuff like that having explored it so much in your um, own time i don't know Do you I dream think... about it more <laughs> i think uh maybe i'm becoming a little bit more desensitized to it yes um, I, I think, think desensitization yeah is i also think there can often be a little bit of romanticizing yeah of it um that has always been something i've been particularly intrigued by mm. you know this these kind of um killers as weird cultural icons yeah because i just there's can't a whole, buy into i read that an article not so that long ago and i wish i could remember where it was but it was basically talking about how there's like this on tumblr in particular there's this weird underbelly of like people romanticizing like people that kill yeah 
um you know as being kind of weird like heart throbs and yeah. stuff i mean you've always seen that with people that would write to like death row inmates and um it's a thing though right? it comes up in mind hunter actually there's people who write to some writes to someone in particular it's sort of you know they refer to it as a fan club it's a bit weird what is i mean Manson's that's the whole manson thing isn't it? i, I mean i always odd. yeah i always say to wes that like actually over time like when i was a teenager i was interested in manson but actually over time i've become less interested because he's like seen as this fucking i don't know like people talk about him as if he's cool well he's like i think he's a loser like he's actually a loser i think it's because of what you think about when the crimes took place he was this sort of weird counter-cultural hero but actually the older you get and the more you read about the case it's like incredibly manipulative um i mean actually what was quite interesting for me is that book emma klein wrote last year the The Girls. girls um that i mean it's a completely fictional account of someone that gets involved mm. with a, a kind of weird cult yes. um but it's heavily 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 influenced by the manson murders and that was interesting for me actually because you kind of see the the women's side of it um and actually you see that this person is just incredibly manipulative and playing the women off against one another mm. you know uses sex as a weapon uses it's just it's just about power play and i think that that's what i've always found strange about manson actually is that people right. kind of ignore the fact that no a woman you know people people were killed a pregnant woman was killed in the process of this um but he's still heralded as this sort of like bastion of like cool but it's just not it's just all. not it's really not and i find i do find that really frustrating when people are like oh but it's I kind of get that. He, I do get that he's fascinating, but I even think that calling him fascinating is tinged with some kind of like. I feel like it gives him more credit. Than, well, you then have to think about the psychology of like actually. He's so clever. So I don't think he's that. Cle- no. I don't actually think he's even that clever. I think no. he's a bit. And that, I suppose that's the danger of giving someone a platform as well. That was always one of the things that um, I think one of the criticisms that was thrown at Bundy actually was the fact that he ended up doing so many interviews and talking to so many people about it. But you're, right. you are giving essentially a, ma- a massive narcissist <laughs> a platform. Slow of her time to, to talk about you know how fascinating and interesting they yeah are. it's weird it's that kind of it's the extreme side of human nature but then also it's like why don't give them because that's you know an element satisfaction too much yeah yeah completely um so that's the thing the down maybe the downside is this weird romanticizing of it mm. but then you've always seen that i think culturally there's always been especially in the music that we're into there's this, this oh, God, weird so like level of um putting someone on the platform when they don't necessarily need to be especially when they are like a violent killer yeah um but then i think perhaps human being yeah but then i think that's perhaps again is sort of um emblematic of maybe the sea change culturally yeah that you're kind of a little bit more cognizant of that yeah now as an Mm. adult that actually like that's not okay especially when it is yeah i think i definitely probably romanticized it more when i was younger. yeah especially when it is men committing violent crimes against women yeah um so but then yeah mm. um who's your favorite serial killer <laughs> i don't know um, uh it's probably dom you love dharma well i say love that's obviously not what no I mean, it's weird i think I, you're yeah i i'm just I, really interested in it i don't know why it's really hard to 
coherently put across the thing with Dharma is as well is that on multiple occasions I've spent a lot of time reading about him yeah. and then getting really scared and not being able to sleep yeah and then I remember one partic- feeling haunted by it I remember there's one particularly vivid memory I have is that I, I read was reading about him and then got really freaked out and couldn't sleep I was in the house on my on my own waiting for Tom to come home from a show mm. and I remember texting him and telling him and he was like you're not even like I don't want to be rude or anything but you're not even Jeffrey Dahmer is a dead yeah and be like you wouldn't even be one of the victims anyway yeah you're a woman yeah it's literally <laughs> it's not like, his MO oh yeah no true but yeah it, I don't know it's just more uh, I think there are like fasc- yeah there are fascinating I just find it really fascinating yeah. also the thing as well I think that I you know like I said I like the ones that are of a particular time and I think it is just because there's this baffling level of like how did you get away with it for so long crazy that's the thing with Dharma is that like the man literally yeah. had people in barrels in his house yeah. and he still wasn't it just got to the point where he was slipping up right. because he was getting so desperate that's the point at which he got caught is yeah. when he really was at the tail end of his like spree it's like how do you not I know. How are you not? I'm absolutely, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. So that's interesting. Um, same goes for Bundy as well. Yeah, I well, but, yeah, I guess Bundy is that, like you were saying before, like that hiding in plain sight thing. Everyone, um, the thing with Ted Bundy is, is that everyone said he was so nice. Yeah. You he look was very at him handsome, and, oh, he's very handsome. Very nice. Yeah. So that just pulled the wool over everyone's eyes. Um, it was really interesting. I think Richard Ramirez is interesting, especially the story of like how he was caught. Oh, Richard is Ramirez really is very, very interesting. Again, he's just a massive loser. Like, he listen, I think he thinks he's. Like, when you watch videos of him, he thinks he's way cleverer than he is. Yeah, it's deeply unsettling. So, I do like Richard Chase as well. Yeah. Um, but that's just because that's slightly strange. Yeah. The Vampire of Sacramento. Yeah, <laughs> really strange. That's a really... That's one that actually scares me quite a lot. Yeah, as that's in, like, just does scare me. Settling. Richard Speck scares me the most. <laughs> the story of Richard Speck uh, killing, like, eight or so nurses people haven't looked that up and subsequently the interviews with him in prison um Ugh, in the prison expose absolutely did you watch the video yes i wish i hadn't <laughs> no i mean i've, I've t- we're saying about being desensitized i felt desensitized up until that point and then i went holy shit yeah, like no. that is terrifying that's someone that's really not not right no really <laughs> quite scary it's really not um, right but it's all very yeah is is like endlessly fascinating it's weird. i it's think that's why it is like you say it's funny to be like oh who's your favorite but it is i think it's just very when i say favorite and the good thing is actually when i say that now people i feel know like most majority of people know what i mean when i say this person is my favorite serial killer. i don't mean my favorite as in like no i think it's my love them who's the most fascinating yeah that's yeah who is the biggest talking point who is something that you could yeah read a book about because they're fascinating yeah i definitely could talk about dharma for hours yeah but i think it's just because i find it so so fascinating Mm. from a just like purely like psychological like you know he's a really hard one that no one's ever been able to unpick i know that's what i think again that's why i like zodiac so much Mm. as well actually is because there's sort of like an unknown element to it Mm. the unsolved crime element is that's why i've i enjoy um There are so so many podcasts out there and I haven't even got through them all, but I really like, um, aside from My Favourite Murder, which is kind of like a story a week, um, a lot of the other ones are kind of long running. um, More long form ones. Yeah, long form, like, you know, eight or ten episodes. I'm investing in an unsolved case. Um, Someone Knows Something is great Mm -hmm. in the dark. 
I've brought up a few times is great. I'm just listening to Missing and Murdered, mm-hmm. um, which is um, really, really interesting. Have you listened to Dirty John yet? I haven't. It's queued up. It's I my haven't next listened one. to it either. No, someone recommended it. Lots of people it. have mentioned it. Yeah, my pal Rosie recommended it to me the other day when we were talking about podcasts, and mm. I haven't. I haven't even touched it yet. I need to need to get around to it. Mm. Yeah, but I think maybe maybe we should yeah arrange listening to that both of us, and then we can talk about it we on there. Can there. talk about it in depth. Um, but that's yeah, it's it's very it's just interesting. It it's is, just it's and in- it keeps it's something that like I think is a running theme with like you know the odd bits and bobs that we bring up that we've been recently enjoying throughout the podcast. A lot of them have a true crime element. I think it's so because it's just, it has inspired yeah so so much of kind of the pop culture that we enjoyed. I mean, you're a big horror movie fan, mm. um, and I enjoy um, the genre as mm. well. So it's kind of interesting to sort of see actually how it is something that mm. kind of it's really sim- I mean for me that whole you know adrenaline rush and the kind of safe space to examine your fears kind of aspect of horror is exactly well, it is the, the same as yeah i mean crime. when i say it's the you know extreme side of human nature it, it really is. is it's actually like your worst anxieties realized and mm. um, when you said about does, does it make me worry about things um more uh probably no more than usual no but it is just yeah it's interesting i think because it is just like it's just so such direct contrast to anything you know else mm. it's just what exactly drives people to do that and why mm. and how and how do they get away with it yeah because so that for me in particular is that it's the kind of the mass murdering the serial killering killering the serial killer side killering, of stuff yep. that interests interests me more rather than like one-off violent crimes yeah. or anything like that because for me it's the longevity of how you evade it yeah and with the one-off evade... crimes there's usually a cause and you can see that was it's like cause and effect like yeah, something absolutely. happens and this is then happens and then that's like it yeah whereas those ones are so much more complicated yeah which i think um, is where for me is where the interest lies i think actually is the mm. is the, that's the real kind of the extremity of it mm. um so to conclude in direct contrast to the morbid nature of what we have been talking about what is your obsession of the week um army hammer and shorts well okay my my point was going to be it's a return yes. for army hammer army hammer's return he's in the hall of fame i think he's of... in the obsession of the week hall so of we've fame. got okay so he's because he's returned twice he's in the hall of fame yeah because he was in for that's f- another board we for free fire shit list. we talked about him in free fire well i talked about him in free yes. fire because i had a very With real moment neck. yeah on oh, that beard yes um army hammer basically there was um, the afternoon uh, of when we had seen call me by your name i just was sending you and Vaughn relentlessly pictures of army hammer i accidentally sent one to tom as well and you have to be like oh sorry about that um <laughs> yeah, this that, have this nice picture of have army it's the eyelashes picture. he's got very nice eyelashes oh, he's um, just golden he is golden boy um also halloween just because it's halloween oh i love halloween Halloween's so much great it's unfortunately it's i mean it's get it's celebrated more and more in england but it's you know it's, it's not the quite holiday. the the phenomenon that it is in some other places um but we enjoy it very much it's just more of an excuse to already you know yeah also i'd lie like, around watching horror films i watch anyway but it's timely um i very have spent a lot of time google image searching uh, jonathan groff as well have you yeah See, i'm not get. i'm just not, not fast okay that's fine I'm so no, he's yours uh yeah and army hammer but the thing with jonathan groff is as well is that i realized that for a while he dated zachary quinto so oh. i spent a lot of time just being like imagine that's a thing yeah I how didn't cool know that. Is that. I just love Zachary Quinto as well. So wow. then I spent a lot of time thinking about how great that was. Yeah, that is but great. But mostly mine is Army Hammer. I think that's fine. 
I've spent I think that's understandable. A lot of time thinking about Army Hammer Army. this week. Army. Dancing. Is this... that his actual name? No, it's short. Armand, maybe? I Armand. Think. Armand. It's short for something. He comes Armand. from money, so it's probably something posh. That's, yeah. Armand. Armand. He's just. Golden. Army just sounds. It does sound posh, doesn't it? Golden boy. Sweet baby angel. Sweet baby angel. Sure. Um, so that's um, episode 10 done don't forget you can find us online twitter at the thirst soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod you can search for us on itunes at the thirst instagram we're at the thirst pod and you can find us on tumblr maybe i'll update it with pictures of army hammer sweet real thirsty cool bye goodbye Hi, I'm Nicole, Sarah, Hillary, and we're the hosts of the Feminine Mistake Podcast. Each month we sit down with a guest to watch movies that are 20 years or older. And see how they hold up to today's modern feminist lens. Why do mermaids have such low self-esteem? Why is it so funny when men take care of babies? What exactly did Jenny die of in Love Story? These are the kind of hard questions we ask ourselves on the Feminine Mistake Podcast. The Feminine Mistake Podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Podbean. Do you guys think that was okay? Yeah, I don't know. We sounded kind of shrill. Really? Yeah, women's voices are just so grating on the radio. Yeah. Oh, man, you're right. Yeah, I mean, have you ever heard those guys over at the Nerdist or last podcast on the left? I mean, they're just biologically more funny than we are. So true. Yeah.